We're dedicating a shout to our mates at Calm. That's the Campaign Against Living Miserably, a charity dedicated to preventing male suicide. It's tragic that suicide is the single biggest killer of men under the age of 45. It's also avoidable. So if you're having a rough time, Calm's helpline and web chat are open from 5pm to midnight every single day. Find them at thecalmzone.net. And welcome back to the New Age Boxing Podcast with me, Andy White, and we have a full list of compatriots today, Mr. Martin Theobald. On a beanbag, I've gone full like Google hipster sat over here. <laughs> it's my new office. Google hipster. <laughs> uh, and positioned firmly on the traditional chair uh, in the love corner. <laughs> Terry <laughs> Chapandama. Now, you guys need to see this. Like, you know, Andy was telling us that he was fucking... Bob Lee swagger for years. Like, yeah, you know, I've got a recorded kill from 3,000 fucking yards away. And all, and all you've got on the wall, like, it looks like a fucking, like those old fucking bedsteads with the, with the springs and shit. And just pictures of him and his girlfriend kissing like it he's never like done a, it before. It's a blind date greatest hits over there, isn't it? It's <laughs> like, probably, this is fucking cringeworthy. Like, honestly, <laughs> like, really fucking cringe. That's the, that's the love corner. <laughs> Like, so plus, my 3,000-yard confirmed kill was blue steel anyway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, only he could have done it with a modified Remington M70. It's gone up by 50 yards every year as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Bear in mind I know how long I've known the man. <laughs> um, oh, no, th- th- listen, there's some, there's some shockers on this wall, like no, properly. Then... You're lucky Umar's not here fucking doing his vlog, mate. That would have been the end of your reputation. <laughs> nah, he's a respectful man. He'd be like, oh, that's, that's, that's beautiful. It wouldn't have got on anyway. Yeah. <laughs> Just saying, Umar. <laughs> Um, right, so <laughs> whilst there is a lot to catch up with in the recent weeks, I think it only makes sense for us to dive into what you've been doing over the summer. Anything particularly oh, interesting of note? I've had a Terry, full summer how? camp in Sheffield. I'm now weighing about eight stone four. I wondered because you had to turn sideways to come through the door. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And there's not a shred of fat on you. Eight so. stone four pure muscle. Yeah, it was weird. I'm going to fight Andrade soon, I reckon. Just doing toe-to-bar lifts with like like full Dominic Ingle style. Yeah. <laughs> have you seen this like Dom's doing these fucking exercise instructional videos like 50 year old man looking like fucking Arnold Schwarzenegger in the 70s have you seen the photos of him in his pants in his house they're from a while back uh, uh, or, I think they're from like mate I don't know maybe, maybe who, who took them I don't know but it was like upper set of stairs so he was stood at the top of the stairs and the, the camera's pointing up just him in his pants and like he's in incredible shape incredible so, so, unbelievable so, so shape so here's the thing like <laughs> Just something to bear in mind. So, so what I found out is in Papua New Guinea, bit of a sidetrack. Young men, <laughs> so don't so, so young men suck off. <laughs> Here we go. Welcome back. Wow. Okay. No, this, yeah. So this is actually true. You this can is Google a fact. This. this is a fact. Young men suck Factoid. off older yeah. men oh, because okay. apparently yeah. that's how young men become stronger. <laughs> 
Wow, those old geezers have got it. They've got their bonsies screwed down, haven't they, like that? What should we tell them? I don't know. Just tell them you want a blowjob. No, I can't do that. Tell them, tell them it'll make them strong or some shit. They'll so, never buy no, that. No, 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 Papa no, no, so, New Savile. No, no, so, so listen to this, right? So when you get married, you can't have sex with your wife <laughs> for 260 days. No, no, for 260 what? days, you can't have sex with your wife. What? But you can you can suck someone off anytime you want. What? Why 260 days? Mate, got no idea. What arbitrary but number to put a sky? The weirdest shit I've ever read. Like, even on your wedding day, you got to suck someone off. <laughs> someone Google this. While you're listening. Oh, God. What do you mean you've got to? <laughs> I love the fact that they've got the wedding pictures and just you see a hard-on coming into shot. And then like, the, the groom's final picture of his best man is just like a bukkake shot. <laughs> of all the old geezers that have turned up. What's a groom on his knees for his photos? Well, <laughs> do they go into like a confession box? There's a hole in it. <laughs> just glory. But can you imagine the, the wedding video? You just get this music. You've got to suck someone off. Where did this come from anyway? Papua New Guinea, men sucking off at... At weddings, and then for 200, he's like, it's not even like this is just his wedding day. He's like, oh, I've got this for 260 days. Imagine that day 259, you're just full of spunk. <laughs> oh, just waiting for 261. Oh, God, they're so disgusting. But what happens since no, the no. wedding? But what happens when you come over here? Like, you just come over here for uni, and it's fresh as we. <laughs> And there's always well, a noshing club. Yeah, there's all these fucking confused 18-year-old guys. And this guy's like, if you're confused, I'll suck you off. And they're like, oh, this is great. <laughs> just texting his mate like, this guy will just do it any day I want. <laughs> how did this start? I don't know. Um, uh, right. Well, that's yeah, what Terry's how did it start? Because, because Terry be... was saying about his holiday to Papua New Guinea. <laughs> I was going to say what you were doing over the summer. Well, I've been trying to... No, no, no. To... I, I'll link it back because... I imagine something like that happens because you know Dom's got all like his house of fucking merry men, uh, the Galapad. M- maybe that's how you know I mean. How, maybe that's how he's like trainer of the year. Like this is how you get my knowledge and wisdom. <laughs> right. So, did you get up to anything particularly exciting? My was... rabbit died. Two months of having a rabbit. Fucking built him the whole run and everything. Died. Oh no no! How did your rabbit die? I don't know. He's found having a fit by my wife. Um, and then died. So, yeah, long and short. But that's only this week, though. That doesn't cover the last seven weeks. He was alive for them. Was that, do you think, was that possibly an assassination because of how much you were getting close to that rabbit? Claire was a bit worried about how close you were getting with it and got jealous. I, was, I kept saying to him every night before bed, if you want my knowledge... You want to get stronger... <laughs> Claire picked up on it. Uh. End of the rabbit. <laughs> I'm not endorsing bestiality, bestiality, whatever you want to call it. Not for me. Um, not did you do anything? How many stag do's did you go on, Terry? Well, since since I was last year. Seems to be a... About three, couple of weddings, and all normal sort of bollocks, man. I'm just all fucking happiness out. I went to an Indian wedding. Um, they're mad aren't they and 
I couldn't believe that a wedding could go on as long as that did. It was, and it was, and that was just the one day. There was like yeah. Yeah. two or three or four <clears> days, <throat> and it just went on and on and on. So much fucking wow. admin, like proper fucking admin with Indian weddings. If you're Indian, like this isn't a shot towards Indian weddings, but if you're not used to it, you're like, you guys have kind of made your point now. Can I fuck off? <laughs> you go, I've got to walk around this, this, that, that, I don't know what do it they is. They do the fucking seashell thing. Uh, where they well, blow into the fucking seashell. It's like a horn sort of sound. Oh, no, 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 they didn't do Mate, that. that, that. They had to walk around this, and I don't know what it's called, so uh, anyone who's listening that might get offended by it, forgive me, but it's like a, a mini temple kind of thing that's like 10 foot by 10 foot, and inside it sat some um, religious figure, and they there's a big book underneath a, um, underneath a sheet, and then they had to walk around it, but the man walked around with a, with a, like a, I don't know, a sash or something, and the woman had to hold it. They walked around it once, and uh, and they sort of said some prayers or whatever. Walked around it again, walked around it again. I'm sitting with a guy next to me. I was like, how many times did they walk around it? It's like five times or four <coughs> times or something. It was like, wow. Like you said, it went on a long the time. Said, don't yeah. just wait. You'll get a blowjob eventually. <laughs> <laughs> this is one of those Papua New Guinea. I went, how how long is this going for? And the bloke went, mate, if you want my knowledge. <laughs> And my strength. <laughs> There's only one way to pass it over. Um, Ingest it. Yeah, I don't think there's much else. It was there's not much to support. And, and frankly, you don't tune in, tune in to listen to what we did over the summer. You tune in yeah, to no, find do. out. No, no, listen, oh, 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 okay, because I haven't been on since since her and Coogan went for Martin. That's so, right. so, so, so oh, I've, yeah. I haven't actually got to throw you my two that. cents. You love that. You know what? I'll be honest with you. When I, when I first watched it, I, I, listen, I was entirely selfish. I was like, don't mention my name, please. Don't, <laughs> don't mention my name. <laughs> I was just watching this going, please, Hearn, don't mention my name. Please, please. If you know, I'll never say anything about you again. Like I was, because when he went, I was like, no, first thing I thought was, this is a straight assassination attempt. Like that wasn't Coogan honestly and of the goodness of his heart arranging to set something up. Then Wobby had a little plenary session before that and said, I imagine Coogan went, look, this Martin guy, I think he's a bit of a knob. I want to put him in his place. Talk, look at all the shit that he said about you. And Hearn's like, all right, I know what we'll do. And I imagine there was a bit of a conspiracy there. And I didn't like that. So when I first heard it, I was like, nah, I don't like this because it felt a bit like bullying in a way. And it's the kind of thing where I'd like Hearn to say that to Martin's face when he sees him, which he won't do. And that's the thing I didn't like about it. But I did find it funny as fuck. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> <laughs> but, after, but, after you'd finished wiping the tears from your eyes and the laughter, you went, no, nah, I don't well, like that. It was sweat first and then it was the tears of laughter because I was like, oh shit, this is Martin. Ooh. <laughs> But no, no, I, I, it, it didn't, it didn't, that didn't feel right to me. And it, you know, come on, man. And then, then what was the other one? Oh, you and Uma. Uma. <laughs> IFL. Oh, I thought you meant Sadiq. No, no, mate, you fucking savage, young no, Uma. No, 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 no. But, but, but in your defense, I thought Coogan was out of order because I felt you were speaking for a large cohort of people who are like, we remember when young Umar was begging to be part of anything that was boxing related. And we were like, listen, 
Come and be part of the group. Let's man. remind we'll, people. Were you on about? So it, this isn't verbatim, but I put something like, I can't watch Umar IFL's interviews. I don't enjoy them. They're unwatchable. That's it. Like, that's all I put. Um, no, no, there are a few swear words in there, let's be honest. No, I, I don't know if there were. Well, I, don't know if there were. I think it was like, I fucking hate <laughs> No, it wasn't I fucking hate him. I didn't have a go at the lad at all, other than to say, I don't like his interviews and I find them unwatchable, <laughs> which is the truth. Now, to give you the backstory to some of that, like I, I remember he interviewed a lad called Reese Cartwright. Is that the deaf guy? The deaf guy, right? He interviews Reese, and deafness is something that's quite close to me, um, as Andy can attest. I won't go into it, but... Mm. Um, so he interviews this deaf boxer, Reese. He's made his debut at York Hall. He gets interviewed by IFL outside the back of York Hall. Now, I've interviewed Reese before over the phone, and you have to do it. I did it over a video call so that he could lip read the questions. And he still had to sit there with his missus because his hearing's like that damaged that he still had to have her input and, and answer some of the questions. Lovely young lad, just had a baby, um, having his second fight soon. So they interview him outside the back of York Hall. Um, and they didn't mention the deafness at all. Like, not even mentioned it. And when you're watching the video, you can tell there's something that's not right with Reese in terms of being the, the standard boxer that you'd interview. You can tell there's something different in the way that he talks, the way that he doesn't necessarily pick up the question. Um, but he doesn't mention the deafness at all. And I'm like, <laughs> it's a great platform. I feel it's a great platform. You could give a message now about how this lad's overcome adversity, overcome all the different tests that he's had to go through to be able to get his boxing license, clear it with the board, get into that, just getting into that ring. The questions about, you know, how how is it handled with the referee whereby the ref might shout something and you don't hear it because his hearing aid's taken out just before the fight. How's it handled with your corner? All that stuff. None of that was asked. It was just a, like, oh, how's your fight? <laughs> yeah, it's all right. Yeah, yeah, good. Right, brilliant. And then I went on to like, who's going to win out of Triple G and Canelo or something? Like, to me, like that was a perfect opportunity to give Reese a platform to talk about how you can overcome a disability such as deafness and get into the ring. And it was just shunned. And since then, like, okay, maybe that's your learning. That's your learning platform. Fair enough, IFL. You give that learning platform. You go where you do some more interviews. But instead, the next thing I see was him doing, like, Kalasauerland or whatever. And I thought, oh, these interviews are just... They don't have a follow-up question. It's almost like you've got 10 questions written down. You don't have a follow-up. That's what I don't enjoy about it. And now, he probably doesn't enjoy our podcast. He probably doesn't enjoy the stuff I do with Steve Goodwin. Like, that's his prerogative. That's fine. I don't care. No, I, don't, I doubt no, he cares no, if no, I enjoy no, his no, videos. No, 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 fuck it. That's not fair. Stick it to him. Because you, you took a lot of unfair stick <laughs> for that. <laughs> Moses Martin tool. Listen, Umar's doing his thing, yeah? Listen, what are you doing with your life? You know, those sorts of things. And the best one was, oh, I feel sorry for your missus. I'm like, what? <laughs> what else I got? <laughs> well, you know about the rabbit as well. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, oh, I, I feel sorry for him in many no, ways, but, but, but yeah. not because of this. But but here's the thing. And so like, my view on the Umar thing was, he's a young guy. Let him go off and do the, the small horse and stuff. And when the people in that scene say, actually, he's good enough, move him up. But I think the whole James Helder thing kind of, <laughs> <laughs> kind of fucked that up. Because they got that, they got that child rapist fucking wingy, allegedly. Sorry. <laughs> you know that, that absolute oh, numpty? Him. Trust him to take it to that other level. Nah, he's just an absolute numpty. Like, what, what you feel about Uma, I feel about wingy. The guy that got sacked oh. from the boxing voice. Really, How do you get sacked from the Uma, boxing voice? How do you get sacked from the fucking boxing voice? Seriously. Because the thing is, the guy doesn't... Look, here's what annoys me generally, right? 
you have these guys and they get given a platform. But I'm like, where are you consuming your boxing? You're you're living in the middle of fucking, I don't know, Rutland. Yeah? In the middle of Rutland, or you're living in fucking Yeovil, right? I, I don't know. Rutland. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, in the middle of fucking Yeovil, Somerset, wherever the fuck it is, and you guys have been given a platform, but you're not even going to your local you're not going anywhere. You're just you're just consuming this shit via YouTube. So then I say to myself, so what are you really telling me about boxing? You're telling me shit I can already see. You're not adding any value at this point. You're not there. You're not doing the, the hard yards. You're not actually watching these guys move in camp. You're not watching them break down and come back stronger. You're not giving that third dimension to what happens. And I know I'm going to get the, the Twitter balance go, ah, oh, here he goes with this Curtis Woodhouse thing. And I'm not saying you have to have boxed to talk about boxing, by no means. Phew. <laughs> no, no, because I, I don't believe. I don't barely believe that. watched any, so no, 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 I've only done it. No, see, I, I, I don't believe that. What I do believe is talk about what you know. So if you watch a Danny Garcia, Sean Porter fight on TV, call it like you see it. Fine. Don't try and pretend, especially on a public platform, that you have added insight. Because like, well, where did you get that from? You haven't. You know, and you get the same in the UK as well. When I hear people go, oh, Isaac Chamberlain should do this, should do that. I'm like, mate, go down and speak to him. Once you speak to him, you understand how he ticks. Then tell me what Isaac Chamberlain should have done. Simple. That's how you get respect in the sport. Whatever it is you do. Talk about what you fucking know. Okay. Um, Mike, what was your reaction to the whole, uh, just quickly, the whole Eddie Hearn interview? Because I think people would like to... I read about 500 comments. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> Who's this Martin Geezer? What's this new age boxing podcast? Mate, but the spike in our numbers. Oh, fuck me. I got about a thousand extra Twitter followers on the back of that. Did yeah. you see Did you see that our pods went from like like 1,300 to 1,800 in 24 hours? Yeah. Listens. Um, yeah, so like my reaction... Look, I, I think we've chatted about it, but in a different group chat about... Um, oh, oh, okay. <laughs> No, no, about like how people... <laughs> Real friends. <laughs> Is that the group? <laughs> no Terry's. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> but but you, you've got Terry Jacobs. It's no Terry's. <laughs> <laughs> so, We're allowed to have one. It's the whole concept of like people of this generation. And I say this generation. I mean, I'm 35 years old. So the ones coming up and being offended by so much like... And if you go back and listen, if you could record the conversations we'd have had on like the old Xbox where they introduced like the first set of head headsets and you could like cut off some American and like, oh, I'm going to fucking do this to your mum. I'm going to do that to your mum. Like if it, like I've been through all that yeah. as a kid. So some geezer from Essex stood on an IFL interview saying I wank under a Transformers duvet. Like... <laughs> Oh, brilliant. Like, that's so offensive. Like, I don't get... In life, generally, unless you insult my wife and my children, I, I don't really care. So, like, all these people... He, go, kind of, he kind of did, though. Has this guy even got a missus? Yeah, but I don't expect him to know that. <laughs> Fair you, enough. You, uh, we'll come on to it in a second. Uh, You'll be surprised at what these guys know. So, another thing that happened over the summer, this is an exclusive. I get pulled into a conference call. So, a friend of mine... Is a sports, in Papua New Guinea. No, no, sports PR and all that, right? Pulls me into a conference call. It's like, look, I'm gonna. You guys all need to make peace. So I think I'm gonna speak to one guy in match. I'm not gonna mention the name on the podcast. There's two of them on the other side of the line. All look, they listen to this. They know who we all are. 
and they know what we're about. So what happened to you was not an accident. That was, that was a warning to anyone with a laptop and a microphone. You don't want to be next on this platform getting exposed like this. But I genuinely don't care. Like, to say exposed. Like, exposed. They know I've got a Transformers, do no, you, babe? No, no, but you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. It's a, like an attack. Yeah. Um, but look, all the, the Twitter her nights, they're just, honestly, like, I've never seen anything like it. The amount of people that Papua New Guinea, the life out of Eddie Hearn, is <laughs> frightening. Um, like, he's not going to pass his strength on to you. But you know, and here's another, so, so here's the weird thing about Papua New Guinea as well. It's one of the highest rates of like gun homicides in the world. It's a really violent country, right? You're like, they're sucking each other off. It's a real Fucking paradox. Come and get my strength, man. I don't need any more strength. I keep throwing up. My stomach's fucked. Come and take my fucking strength as I'll shoot you. And out of nowhere appears Michael Barrymore. Why? <laughs> so, yeah. Like, what's my reaction to it? My reaction stands till now. If they know about us, if they listen, whatever, cool. <laughs> Just tell Eddie when's the interview. Because I've tweeted him. I've you, you tweeted Coogan. It. Of course I'm not. Yeah. Of course I'm not. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, as soon as he said, well, you know, he can come to any shows, like, what he's saying is, fuck off. Yeah, so, look, I just found it quite amusing, really. I was just going out for dinner with my wife and kids at the time, and I get this thing about, has he even got a... Uh, has he ever had sex? Has he ever got a missus? I'm like, okay, mate, cool. Yeah, I, nice I, I, I found it quite... Um, I found it unimaginative and a bit juvenile. That was that was from... <laughs> look, I, if he'd have come out with some really witty response... I'd have, appreci- I'd have appreciated it probably, I'd imagine, as much as you would have done. If you'd have come out of something and really laid the smack down, you'd been like, fucking hell, fair one. Like I'm, that. I'm about the third person that he's tried to paint as like a, a fritzel, <laughs> yeah, like basement dweller. But what, what, what really got me, actually, the only part of the interview that got me, and, I'm, and I'm, it's a bit hazy now, but what got me was the same thing that got me about the Barry Hearn interview, which was, stop worrying about me, go off and there's women there's, and I thought to myself, hold on a minute, you don't tell us that you shouldn't be scrutinised because yeah. I need a life and that's why we shouldn't scrutinise you. That's not how it works. You're at the pinnacle of a sport that people care very much about and and enjoy and put a lot of money in. So the fact that you're getting scrutinised is exactly what should happen to people at the top of any profession. And if people are scrutinising you, what you shouldn't be doing is trying to discourage that i mean obviously he will but it doesn't mean you haven't got a life it means and from from his reaction for me it meant that he doesn't have a good comeback he's got no answers he knows what he's doing and he proved it by not being able to come back with anything there's two things about it one is that it's the the inability to disassociate himself from um like we're not obsessed with you eddie hearn yeah. You're just part of the sport that we have a love for. Yeah. Walk away tomorrow. Nobody cares. Walk about away you. tomorrow. No one gives a fuck yeah. about you. <laughs> Go and do your gymnastics with your dad or whatever. <laughs> well, probably not doing the gymnastics, but you know, the O2 gymnastics with the stars or whatever. <laughs> Go, Go and, and get do your that. Strength. No one <laughs> Go to Papua New Guinea. <laughs> no one would give a fuck about him anymore. And so it's not about her, it's yeah. about the sport. And the second thing is 
Of which, again, he is the pinnacle. The pinnacle. The Therefore, you know, again, like Jose Mourinho wouldn't be like, uh, United fans wanking under their Transformer duvets. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. He's and, come close, though. <laughs> <laughs> and the second, he was on the edge. The second part of it is fine. Like, you're not going to do the interview with us, with me. I get that. But you are going to do it with Jake Wood and Spencer Oliver. Now, if anyone out there has listened to that, it is the biggest podcast blowjob I've ever heard. <laughs> no, no, but, but you know what the that exists to do, Podcast right? Papua New Guinean. Oh, it no, was no. atrocious. But you know what they try to do with that, don't you? Oh, well, look, ringside, super sky branded. We're just telling the fans that it's corporate. That's why the viewership and the listenership's going down because our product's basically shit. So let's try and pretend we've got something for the hardcores here. So we'll get Spencer Oliver, who is in the sport. Happens to be a Sky employee. Yeah. And then that fucking Bellin that couldn't even handle Phil Mitchell as well. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, I'm I'm not averse to saying that Jake Wood is shit because Phil Mitchell ran rings around him and that guy got done for dogging. You know what I mean? Like... He's, he's an embarrassment, and that 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 pound for pound podcast is pound for pound bullshit. It is terrible. Like that's the only one I've ever listened to, and I thought I was fooled. I was duped. I want my time, and my money back. They put out a tweet saying like nothing was off the table. The most pressing question they asked him was, "Where'd you get your roll neck jumpers from?" Like genuinely, that was probably the only question you had to think about because the rest of it was like. Oh, Bellew's going to beat Usyk. Then you get Jay Wood in the back. Yeah, Bellew will beat Usyk. What? You thought fucking Brook would beat Golovkin, you fucking idiot. You see, this is what <laughs> happens when you do a couple of white collar bouts. Now you think you're an expert because you're hanging around with, with Spencer. And I don't mind Spencer Oliver. To be fair, the Oliver family I've got a lot of respect for. Like, Spencer's uncle John. I mean, he's got Chisora and Joshua on his CV as a trainer. So you're like, fuck it out. Do you know what I mean? I've got to respect you. So the Oliver family is a family that's respected in boxing in and around London. Jake Wood could be just fucking shagging exhaust pipes for all I care, to be honest with you. Like, I don't know what the fuck he's doing in boxing. I'm not particularly interested. I mean, I'm in absolutely disgusted that someone with absolutely no boxing knowledge would piggyback off the other person that might. Who would some, do it? Who would do such a despicable and low thing such as that? But when, when you see Jake Wood sat on the front row of every matchroom show, every. Yeah. every like high level because he doesn't bother going to the shit ones he just goes to like the Wembley ones and he sits like front and centre and I think do you really like that isn't somebody who doesn't have an agenda here oh, it's just he should be forced to look into the camera every but, time but listen, and go I know and I'm a listen, dickhead uh, yeah I'm winning though <laughs> yeah, no yeah, but listen yeah. if you're friends with someone that listens to pound for pound or ringside or whatever toe to toe mate you got issues you got issues. You're hanging around with the wrong people because what you're basically saying is your mates are suckers. So you got to just tell your mates, go and listen to something with a bit more edge. And this is the thing. So I was having a row with someone about Steve Bunce and they're trying to tell me that. Having how, a row? Yeah. About Steve Bunce? <laughs> but, well, no, no. So, so I, because I, I haven't got to address that, because I thought the Mia St. John thing was an incredibly bad taste. Yes. I thought she was brave enough to hold her hand up and say, I did it, but so did many is. others. What is this? Okay. So Mia St. John doesn't. Uh, a piece, I think it's in the LA Times. It might have been with Lance Pugmire, I'm not sure. And what she says is, in her career, she took PEDs, right? Doesn't no. name anyone else. But then she's like, but I was in camp with all of these people and I saw them taking it, so I took it. So then you start to work backwards. Who was she in camp with? Well, I think she was trading out of Las Vegas, right? So then you start to kind of box around who was there at the time and you go, shit, look at the cards she was on. 
She was on Mayweather cards. Do you see what I mean? She was on really high, le- she was on really high profile cards. She was a high profile female boxer. And, you know, you can think what you like, but she, she was 60 odd bouts. She had maybe 70. So that's a, that's a long stint in any sport. You've fought 70 times. And so she comes out and says this because her, her whole thesis was, why are people mad at Canelo for popping fucking Deuterol? He's not the only one. And all these people having a go him are hypocrites is what she said. And she's like, I should know. I was taking drugs. I know other people that were taking drugs. That's what she said. I'm prepared to listen to her because number one, she's in the sport. Number two, I don't believe she really has an axe to grind. It seems like her life's moved on. I know she had issues and challenges with her husband, you know, and now she's, you know, she's on the whole mental health thing and helping youngsters. So, I mean, she's, she's moved on from boxing now. But Steve Bunce does an article and just basically slaughters her. It's horrible. It's disrespectful. It's such poor journalism. You almost feel that he was put up to it. Someone said, you need to write this. And it was embarrassing to read from someone of Steve Bunce's... What does he castigate her for? Taking it or admitting it? For being or? in Playboy. For fighting in the Playboy mansion. For being in Playboy. For being attractive. For apparently not having a great record as a fighter. For using the sport for so her own character ends. assassinating her. Yeah. There was, there was nothing of any substance that he said other than, I hate you because you're an attractive woman in boxing when you should really be looking like me. Like Jane Cowell. Stop. <laughs> Nah, no more shots. But look, so, the, so then so then, Steve Bunce and I, well, I think it's me, Steve, and Nigel Travis basically going at it. Nice little Fitzroy Lodge row. And I'm basically trying to say to Trav, this guy's a fucking self-serving idiot. Trav's like, nah, he's sorted. And then, I, you know, and then, you know what, you know, because you know what Bunce's like, ah, oh, they do it for free brigade, brigade, sorry. Yeah, they do it for free crew, they do it for free. And then it, it dawned on me, right? Steve Bunce knows more about, he knows a lot more about what's going on in this sport than us three put together yep. times 50. But because he's paid, he can't tell you any of that. He can't tell you any of that. So what is Steve Bunce's advantage now? He says he's an insider, but he can't reveal the secrets. What's Steve Bunce's advantage to you people? Nothing. He gives you nothing that a podcast like this can't give you. We don't give a monkeys. We're not paid. So the minute we hear it, we'll share it with you. Steve can't do that. But you guys all lord him as this sort of man of the people sort of character. He's not. He's a self-serving mercenary who gets enough money to send his kid to some posh private school in Northampton, which isn't an issue. But just know he needs the money to do that. That's why Steve Bunce does what he does. He doesn't do it out of the goodness of his heart. He doesn't care about the fans. He never has done. He has contempt for you. But still, you try and tell me that Steve Bunce is this, that, and the third. He's not. And it's shit I'd say to Steve Bunce's face because he's known for it. If Steve said, say to my face, I'm self-serving, I'll say you're self-serving, motherfucker. I don't care how big you are. Fuck you. <laughs> you see his face as well. He's so annoyed. It's like Steve's ear. <laughs> um, okay, so I think just about wrapped up any loose ends from the summer. Have you got any pressing issues that you wish to... Uh, any others? Oh, look, man. Big shout out to, to Porky Russ, man. Like, <laughs> he got banned from Twitter. He did. That was so, it was so unfair. I don't know if anyone's got to speak to Russ. So Russ gets banned from Twitter. Like, life ban. Tries to set up another account that I made. We know who you are. Banned for life. 
What? Like they shut down his other account. Full on Alex Jones banned. We don't want you on this platform. Very so he gets dear. hold of Twitter. This is typical Russ. And Russ is like, what am I banned for? And so they go, look, yeah, we've had so many complaints about your tweets. And so, they, so he asked him to do the analytics on his tweets. And this lady's like, yeah, there's roughly about 500 complaints for every one of your tweets. Even a tweet that said, yeah, today's a good day, 500 complaints. And then they distilled it down to the same 50-odd accounts that would just complain about every one of his tweets. So then the lady was like, this is basically online harassment. It's bullying, which is why they reinstated him. Because like, well, th this is quite worrying. So I don't know if they banned those people that were doing it. But it's good to have Porky Russ back. And so it's a reminder. his account, his original yeah, account back. Yeah, he's back. He's back, but I think it's chastened him a bit. So he's he's a bit more mellow on Twitter, but absolutely virulent on YouTube. If anyone can get hold of a Porky Russ video, they're brilliant. Like he he's just all guns blazing now at any moving target. Three thousand feet kill doesn't bother with three thousand yards. <laughs> okay, so should we move on to actual relevant boxing chat? No, I didn't see no, any of it. No, no, so can, 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 I, can I just say one thing quickly? Big shout out to, to Richie Gray. Yes. He's been on absolute fire oh, the last yeah. few weeks. Mm -hmm. uh, first, it was a whole retirement thing. Really, like, really heartfelt. I know he did the, the fight talk interview, but fuck me, 35 minutes to tell me you're retiring. Come on, man. <laughs> like, I, I got, ten, I got, I got ten, 10 or 12 minutes in and I got the point. Sorry. <laughs> it was one of those. I'll, I'll get back to it later. But to, to hear a guy have to give up something he was clearly passionate about at a young age was tough to hear. And also just, it seemed like such an innocuous injury. Like it's a hand thing, but it's not, it's not like a, something you can just diagnose and maybe I can put a bone graft in there. It just seems that it's his hands aren't designed for boxing and it was a shame. But then to hear, I think it was last week when he was talking about the, the Bobby Woods thing. And <coughs> he, he anchored on the very point we say on this podcast all the time. You may want to be a professional boxer, but you're not a professional boxer. People won't pay to watch you. Now, people can say I shouldn't have to sell tickets. Selling tickets is how a promoter knows you put the work in and it's how we as fans show you that we care about the work you're putting in. Like, it's a two-way street. Well, it's probably a... It's a street that converges in the middle around a boxer's career, essentially. And when I'm hearing Bobby Woods could only move 20-odd tickets, and that might be incorrect, it's a shame because what's Bobby Woods? Bobby Woods, is, he's won a Harringay Box Cup I think it was a novice box cup. Probably could have done another couple of years in the amateurs to, to cement who he is in the sport, but he chose to jump over early. But as Richie said, once you do that, you're your own brand, you're your own business. You're your own profit and loss account. So any hour you're not doing something that adds tickets to your portfolio, you're wasting it. And I like how Richie said, he goes, what are these guys doing? They're not doing enough. And if you don't, I mean, so no, fair play to him. And hopefully in retirement, Richie will be that straight talking guy that people can't criticize, you know, like the Curtis Woodhouses can't say anything to him. So he can just be there and he can be another voice of reason and common sense in the sport. Right. Any more shout outs today before I move on to boxing chat? Good win for Sam Smith, Friday night. Congratulations. Good to have her back on the winning path. Be on the ropes, boys, doing their show down at um, Cinema yeah. back end of September. Do, do, they, along do, with... do they come to ours? They did. What, the 28th? Yeah. 
Okay, so we'll, I'll go. Um, but yeah, no, it's not because of that I mentioned it. But they're making uh, raising money for the Kyan Prince Foundation to the uh, the son of Mark Prince, um, the guy whose son got uh, got stabbed a fair few years back. So they're doing a, a showing of Rocky along with a Q and A with themselves and with um, Spencer Fear on and Mark Prince going down. So like, yeah. if you can make it, look at their Twitter account. I can't remember the date off the top of my head. So Thursday, I think. And it's for their September. 100th show. Their 100th and show. Good luck to them. I, I know I got asked, because I got asked the question, do you think they're copying you? And my response is this. If they do a live show that blows ours out the water, I'm taking notes. So congratulations to them, man. Go out and do yourself. Go, And that's what this whole thing's I about. I they are. That would be, yeah. I'd, be, I'd be humbled by the fact I know that's that's got a horrible connotation, but if anyone in the boxing sort of boxing podcast fraternity were inspired to put on a live show because we had, I mean, I frankly, it... there's so many live shows that go on with football podcasts and whatnot. Yeah, yeah. I'd be, I'd like, be. We copied the idea of someone else. Exactly. So... I'd be well happy if somebody had gone. Them guys are yeah, brilliant. I mean, it, it had been spawned from us. It wouldn't occur to me one way or the other, but just good luck to them for doing yeah. it. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so, yeah, yeah, course, it, yeah, check out their Twitter account to uh, find the yeah, dates and have to get mean, tickets. S- s- support the movement, you know. Um, Spencer's there, so I don't know, man. You know, it could, <laughs> could, be, could, could be quite a self-indulgent show. It'll just be a, a show of memes, just him inspirational memeing like throughout it. Yeah, you just um, literally just stood there live. He just flip him up in front of him so he can take a picture. <laughs> now listen, no, no, good luck to those guys, man. Push the boundaries, take a few risks. Yeah, but more importantly, man, the only tip I can give you guys: keep pushing the show. Like the ticket sales might suck in the beginning, but you keep pushing, 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 you get the momentum. But you can't you can't slack on these things. Have we had a, a podcast since out live show? Yeah, we did y- one. Y- you guys did one. Oh, okay. All right. Um, That's why I had a lot to get off my chest. Let's, yeah. Let's move on then. Cool. Um, do you want to talk about this? Is when we were just about to start up. Um, I pulled the cord accidentally with with uh, with Terry about Sam Eggington, <laughs> and and I had to stop him mid flow because I wasn't recording. So Sam Eggington fought Joaquino. Joaquino. I think it's, I think the M silence. I think it's probably Joaquino. Joaquino, right? Um, sounds like a, he sounds a like Everton might have signed him. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they, they might after this. I did like your videos. Like one of these beat Sam Eggington. That, that, no, no, that, that's taken from his Instagram account. But have you seen his last fight? The one they did in a, a sports hall over in Africa. No. Oh, it's phenomenal. It is phenomenal. They're in this ring where it's got a wooden floor in the ring. And so there's no like mat on the ring. They're actually fighting on a wooden floor, right? And towards the end of the fight, um <laughs> find it. I'm gonna have to find it. Somebody tweeted it out the other day, as in like this geezer's fighting Sam Eggington, like ha ha ha. Not realizing <laughs> he was gonna stop him. <laughs> um but yeah, they're fighting in this sports hall with like a relatively okay crowd there. And clearly a ticket seller. <laughs> That's why Hearn wanted him. Steve, options. Steve, have a word. Um, <laughs> and something happens. I can't remember the details of it, but like the referee turns around. As the referee's turned around, there's like this sucker punch that lays the geezer out. I don't know if it's him who's laid out or his opponent. I'm not sure. But the referee's not even looking. He's looking out at a crowd, like waving. <laughs> He's just waving at his girl like, hey, it's phenomenal. On TV. It's phenomenal. But, um, but here's the thing. 
<laughs> this is why it's hilarious. <laughs> you know, there was a matchmaker there. And it's probably some some work experience kid, Eddie Hearns, just dug up from one of his mates fucking at the golf club, right? And the kid's there, and the kid's saying to his mates, look how, look how shit this fight is. Let's get in for Eggington. And then they go on his Instagram, and he's just punching a bag full of sand, and the sand's just fucking emptying as he punches it. So they're looking at it's this a guy. a weapon. Yeah, they're like, this guy's fucking useless. Look at him. Can't, you know what I mean? His legs crossing over. This guy can't actually box. And he's found it. Find the end of that fight. Find so, the end of it. It's so, brilliant. So what's absolutely brilliant is anyone that listens to the fight, Adam Smith spends the first three minutes trying to convince himself this guy belongs in the ring with Eggington. So he's like, yeah, he's this unknown African quantity. You know, they're normally quite tricky. And Froch is there like, come on, mate. We know why you guys got him in. Like, you know, <laughs> <laughs> Froch is like, this guy's meant to be shit. So Adam Smith spends ages telling us yeah, I don't know who this guy is like. He's probably got a few GCSEs. I think his mum's called Mavis. Um, I definitely saw him driving a red Volkswagen Golf, probably a 1992 Reg. You know where he does all that sort of pointless information yeah, yeah. to try and set the scene? So at the end of the first round, clump, he hits Eggington and Eggington starts to go. And you're like, oh, oh shit. Oh, we just, we just Terry, can you, can you see the, uh, the live action footage? Man, I can see bits and pieces. Is this the end? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Have you watched it? No, I haven't seen it. I haven't yet. That's not the end. No. And he's got this shit like it's a fucking driving test, man. Maybe he's got more than one fight on YouTube. (laughs) He's got a back catalogue of of solid work. Is this how low we've sunk? So anyway, after the first round, now now Froch Froch has now realised that this guy's got power and he's probably just going to try and JJ McDonough him, right? Adam Smith was like, nah. Because, you know, Adam Smith's just bought into the whole script. He's like, nah, nah, nah. Eggington will be on the Joshua undercard. Nah, nah. And this is what Kino came out in the second round, like, just swinging. Like, look, I've been in short notice. I've probably got four rounds in me. Then I'm just going to throw myself to the floor. Just came out swinging. And I think Eggington was like, I mean, Eggington got hit the first time in the second round. And I, I imagine he was looking out to Eddie Hearn just going, you fucker. <laughs> And then it was just a barrage of, like, it looked like not, not super heavy leather, but it was heavy enough that it was having an effect. But Eggington had that thing of, the storm will pass, I'll walk him down. And this guy was like, nah. But he didn't know what to do, did he? Nope. Didn't know, did not know what to do. I don't think he was prepared for that. Like, they told, look, you're, you're Eggington. All right, Bob. All right. Right, Bab. Sorry, Andy Scott. I know you're from the Midlands. We're right. We're good in African, have we? All right. We're in African, right? Shut up, Andy. <laughs> <laughs> now, so basically, look, Eggington's in his gym. You got this African guy. Ah, fuck it. I, I, I fought one of them in my second fight. It's nothing. One of them. Yeah, kid just showed up, mate. Kill or be killed. And I, he's, he, they probably thought he was so bad, Hearn hasn't even got an option on him. Can you imagine that? <laughs> You know, you know. I mean, Steve's going to manage him by by the by the end of the month. Steve's going to be managing this guy. Going, listen, I got some guys for you. We're going to get Eric Ochiang back in here for you. Ego, yeah. oh shit! What an absolutely brilliant. I love it when when matchmakers get cocky and then get touched up like that. That makes me really happy. 
because they thought Sam could just get a couple of quid from being in Birmingham before the, the Joshua undercard fight against Brandon Rios, who basically is a 140 guy fighting at 154. And that's an embarrassment in itself. And then look, the boxing gods just said enough is enough for this season. We're just not having it. Yeah, that's what the boxing gods have said so far. We're not having it. You want to take the piss with your matchmaking? We're going to punish you. And like, Eggington has been exposed. Now what do you do with Eggington? The rematch is almost senseless because you imagine by the rematch... Imagine trying to sell this bloke. Like, they didn't bother trying to sell him the first time <laughs> because it was going to be a walkover. Now you've got to try and sell him. Like, the sky footage of that leisure centre with a wooden floor, that'd be amazing. <laughs> All you need is, I want Kelbrook! <laughs> I want Kelbrook! But that was brilliant. You say he's been exposed. He's been exposed before. He's been exposed by Bradley Skeet. The look, you put him in with someone who's a, a very good, competent, technical boxer, he'll just run rings around him. And Eggington couldn't land a punch for the evening. He's been exposed at European level. Was it Blandamura? Yeah. Who beat him? Like, and, and don't get me wrong, because Sam Eggington... I've made them like I'm not hitting it in the past. I'm not a fan of Sam Eggington. Like I don't find him particularly good to watch. He started off down that journeyman route and then he won prize fighter and then that kind of kicked his career in. And Barry Hearn's got this emotional investment. Just became like the son he, he always wanted. <laughs> Still does. Uh, <laughs> he seems to have this like emotional investment towards Sam Eggington. I don't know why. I don't know what what's caused it. Um, Papua New Guinea. <laughs> But yeah, so he's kind of, it, it's his project to work with. But we've seen him now exposed against a boxer. We've seen him now exposed against someone who carries ridiculous power. Um, but is it ridiculous? Or is this another Braders Prescott? Well, maybe, yeah. Okay, but somebody who exposed that he doesn't have this iron chin. Because remember when he got dropped by Day 11s? And Day 11s for an overhand right that dropped Sang Eggington. Like, and he somehow got up from it. Somehow. Because he had no right getting up from that shot. And so that built this story that he had a you know a hell of a, a chin, recovery powers, etc. Well, he didn't last night. So what's he got now? What can they possibly... What's he doing there anymore? I don't know. He'll fight Frankie Gavin again. That's where that, that's where this is headed. No, because he's fighting Karadja, the, the Spanish geezer that tore Skeet apart. Oh, yeah. I'll watch that because I, I, I love blood sports. I want to watch that. Yeah, in that Bilbao stadium. And I hope that... he just sits there when he drops him, he just eats him. <laughs> like, the guy with the little rat tail. Yeah. Um, so, yes. Uh, but it's brilliant. Babs on Twitter. Babs had put up the uh, the thing about um, how fucking brilliant it is that Hearn had managed to... He's now ruled him out of fighting on that Joshua undercard, which is always the plan. It's for him to fight Brandon Rios. He now can't because he's got to take 31 days out of the sport because he got stopped. <laughs> uh, what a fuck up. What an absolute fuck up. Um, so I don't know what you do with Eggington now, but I don't know what they were doing with him before. So yeah. <laughs> they'll fly him over to America. You can fight someone but on the zone. I know this platform. is going to be controversial. I think now that Hearn's got Newcastle, he doesn't care about Birmingham. Yeah. You know, I think Hearn's one of these guys where he'll want four or five key cities. So for him, it will always be London, Liverpool, Manchester as a core. If he could get Leeds back, he'd take Leeds. But Newcastle is now the new one for him. You know, he's got, he's got Ritson and Kelly. he's got Kelly. And I'm sure Josh Leather will have a presence there as well over time. So you can see all of this stuff happening. Yeah, he signed Robbie Davis, and he, for uh, Liverpool. 
He'll get Callum Smith back soon, maybe one yeah. day. Depends what Groves leaves of it. <laughs> okay, uh, Khan Vargas. Or do you want to go Garcia? Paul Can I quickly touch on Wellborn uh, Langford? Yeah, on the this, undercard. This, this is a good show. Again, I didn't watch. I didn't watch this. Um, I've seen the the Eggington fight. I didn't watch it. So all I've seen is the result. I saw Langford got dropped first round. Was it first and second? Maybe okay. he got dropped twice. So Tommy Langford. This is a rematch after he lost the first fight. Let's be absolutely clear. Both men were shit scared of Liam Cameron, Killer Cam, the legendary. Were they? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They were. They were. They were. Um, everyone, look, everyone, everyone knows, knows what Liam does. Everyone knows Liam takes people out easily. How's his uh, appeal going? Um, I might, I might be drafted in to add some heft. I've genuinely got no idea. It's not a piss take question. Yeah, I no. genuinely don't know what October third. Um, so he got done for having cocaine in his system. Yeah. Um, but you know. From what they're saying, the traces are sufficiently low that it could be anything. It could be contamination. You know, what's it mm. like one in one in five notes? Who knows? There's all kinds yeah. of reasons you yeah, could come. He up might with. have eaten a twenty pound note. Who knows? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, but you know, I, I don't know. You do know? No, no, because I, I know. I don't even know no. this guy is. No, no. <laughs> he's not a he's not a drugs guy. So you know there's some boxes you can look at and if they get rumbled, you're a bit like, mm, you're you're moving in some funny lifestyles. Yeah. But Well, yeah, after that before and after pick that I saw of Canelo the other day, albeit different drugs, I thought yeah. My but, but, God, but, that guy was fucking hench. But have you looked at the old pitch the Khan? No. The old <laughs> no. Freddie Roach days. No. He was in some serious shape. He turned up looking like me for this fight. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking hell, he's got fucking man boobs on him. Like, I'm just going to say he was in a lot better shape a few years back. And that isn't age catching up with him. He's still fighting at the same weight. There was something in the water when he was training out in America. Oh, that's a shame you couldn't bring some of that water. Oh, was it? Was it that Ariza water? Yeah, it's from <laughs> maybe it was. Maybe it was. If the, if the water catches on fire, you just drink it and you get a hench. That's how, <laughs> that's how it works. <laughs> Um, yeah, yeah. Anyway, well worn Langford. Yeah. Um, I just want to say, like, phenomenal. Jason Wellborn was out on the journeyman route. Got beaten by William Warburton, didn't he? Last year, William Warburton, who's had like two hundred odd fights now and lost. Don't know, fights on the Goodwin 50. show soon, doesn't he? He fights on many Goodwin yeah, shows quite it. often. Yeah. Um, just doesn't want to pay for a ticket. <laughs> but Warburton can turn up. You know, he stopped people. He stopped you know, talents in the past. And he stopped Jason Wellborn. Jason Wellborn went on and beat Tommy Langford for the British title and then beat him again last night to retain it. But Langford's shit. But Langford was number two in the WBO. Like, this is a this is a warning message wow. to anyone who's number two in the WBO. Anyone who's highly ranked. Anyone who's in that top 15 for winning the WBO European. They're fucking bullshit rankings. Terrible or, rankings. Or anyone who's not ranked that might be ranked fifth tomorrow. But the thing is, like, <laughs> you had this thing where uh, Langford fought Kudzidze, didn't he? Uh, the guy who got done for racketeering over 12 years. Yeah. Uh, and Kudzidze got done for drugs and got done for racketeering. Um, I don't but know that what was... racketeering is. Smuggling of tennis rackets. <laughs> 
twat. <laughs> I actually don't know what it is. You know what? You know, like, he, he thought that was a joke, but when you look at this fucking love wall, like, you, you're just watching the sad decline here, people. Just gang life. Just think Grand Theft Auto. Oh, like, okay. I think he was probably in that. Is that an all-encompassing charge or something? Yeah, I think so. Um, so they were meant to be fighting in a final eliminator from world titles. So you're saying, like, Langford shit. But you've got these lads that are winning WBO Europeans that find themselves just in positions that they shouldn't be in. And this is a warning that if you end up in these positions, you ought to be taking the fights that are worthwhile. No, but so you've remember, got your Leon Woodstock in there. No offence to Leon Woodstock, but he got fucking run hard by Craig Poxton. Leon Woodstock, by rights, by rights, could be fighting Lomachenko in his next fight. I beat him. <laughs> Hammer him, yeah. But no, remember, Langford was moved up the rankings so he could fight Billy Joe. Yeah, absolutely. So, so Billy Joe could have a soft defense. Of course he was. But but Concedza was like, no, my friend, not today. No, not you, you today. get fucked up. Um, so yeah, it's just it's a reminder to all those WBO European champions, but, all those WBO number one, number two, anyway through to fifteen. Is there bullshit? Liam Cameron smashed him to pieces in the amateurs. Like that's that's the fact. There's a video of it. You can watch it if you want. Langford's never been that good. He's the one of these. You, you know, I always call them manufactured talents. Where because Steve Bunt says he's a talent, people just buy into it. They don't critically assess what's just been said. It's like, oh, yeah, 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 super talent. You know, it's this thing in boxing that people always want to appear in the know, so they'll never challenge anything in case they look stupid. So, you know, like, you'll see, you'll know, you'll know the typical bullshit merchants whenever they call boxers by their nicknames, right? If you're ever there, like, Spencer Fearon does it a lot. Yeah, yeah, me and Beefy, yeah? Beefy, me and Be And I'm like, whenever people do that, what they're trying to do is they're trying to go, yeah, I'm in the know with these people. And it's nonsense. Langford was one of these manufactured talents who was always limited because he didn't have an elite level chin. He just didn't. And to be fair, Wellborn's not that good. You know, he's not that good. He's just lucky that he's facing someone like Langford. If this was a couple of years ago, Newbank Jr. was fighting him for the British, it doesn't go four rounds. So I guess it's just a reminder that there's a massive gulf in class between world class and this shit that they make you pay £60 a ticket for. Right. Uh, Wellborn Langford that wasn't on the agenda, but is since subsequently been put on the agenda. Tick. Ritson. Uh, you want to talk about Ritson? Briefly. Ritson. Lewis Ritson. Lewis Ritson stopped about. another guy. But this was another pointless. This is like the Eggington fight. Like There was no reason for this fight to be on there. And I like Lewis Ritson. He's... He's growing on me in many ways. But there was no reason for that fight to be happening last night. <laughs> There's no I reason. I was going to go there, but I thought that well's been milked. It's been dry. milked. I was going to say that. That well's been milked dry. Fuck it, I'll say it. Um, but there was no reason for that fight to be on there. Another one where if this geezer had turned up and happened to be the second coming of Ali by accident, it could have left a lot of egg on the face. I think Ritson would have dealt with him. I think we, f we forget how good egg. Ritson is. Sorry. Let me just get my let me just get my swallow on. Because <laughs> yeah, Terry's just getting some of my knowledge at the moment. <laughs> no, look, we've said it before so, about Lewis Ritson. We're eating sports mix. Maynard's Bassett's sports These mix. These tangy wine gums are good. No, no, underrated. And, and Andy Gamble then lost with those. Maynard, come yeah. at us. But look, Ritson. Yeah, nice simple facts. Ritson boxed for England as a junior. 
Yeah, he was he was on he was on the GB path as a youngster. ABA finalist in 2012, lost to Tamuka Mushapondwa. Like the big question is, how the fuck did you lose to him? Now you know we always talk about what Ritson does, but you gotta go. How did you lose to him? Because okay, he's a he's probably a naturally bigger man, but skill wise, nah, there was no comparison. So it always put doubts in my head about what he would do at the higher levels. And he hasn't actually tested himself at the higher levels. Guys like Dodd, uh, do you know I mean? Like, he's another Langford. It's just manufactured. Highland. Yeah, these are all manufactured guys. Well, Cardinal was a decent junior in terms of amateurs. I think he, he boxed for England and GB, sort of like stuff like Junior Olympics, Junior Europeans and stuff, but... These aren't world beaters. We know what world beaters at 135 look like. And Ritson's got a long way to go to get there. You know, cue the British boxing blog going, no, no, <laughs> no way, no way. But no, I like him. And I like the fact that he's just looking to take you out. And he's exciting to watch. Yeah, no I, doubt. But let's not go overboard with him. He still needs that meaningful test. He's got the European fight, hasn't he? Put him in up. with Campbell. He's got his world title eliminator, hasn't he, on the uh, Joshua undercard. Against Mendy. Yeah. But uh, he's got the European title fight up in Newcastle, hasn't he, Ritson? That's coming up. I'd like to see him fight Campbell. No, let's not have these two guys just floating around like they're both world class. Let's find out who really is. You finished eating sweets, Andy? Yeah. Because those wine gums are hard. Like, if you've only just started one and this cuts to you, you're fucked. That's kind of where I was at. So um, you gotta have that hyena jaw, just full on crunch. <laughs> um, strongest jaws in the animal kingdom, I think, aren't they? Are they? Seven hundred pounds. I thought Calisowland had the strongest jaw in <laughs> the animal kingdom. <laughs> Don't they just call him jaw, teeth, Jaws of Life? Teeth like little nubs. He, he's just there, isn't he? Like on was it nine? Was it nine 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 with Michael Burke? And he's got Cali. Mate, we need to we need to take the roof off this car. <laughs> Um, Crunch. Garcia Porter. Khan. Do you want to talk about Khan? Of course. All right. Khan Vargas. What the fuck am I even here? <laughs> do you want to talk about the main event from last night, Terry? Why would you want to do that? <laughs> it was absolutely... Look, so my assessment of that, that Birmingham card was, for a non-pay-per-view card, it was, it was entertaining enough. Even Let's not give Hearn credit for that, by the way, because the card on paper was bullshit. Mm. It was. I didn't mind it. Like Fitzgerald against Parry, whatever his name. It wasn't a card I minded. It turned out to but be... But there's not a penny gone in by... Okay, that's obviously wrong. But there's very little money that's gone into that in terms of a be. Saturday fight night card. And, and, and maybe that's what was needed. Like, maybe it was just like, right, let's just stop with the bullshit and just put some, some guys in there. Trade that, fights. Yeah, that just want to have a go. Like Frank would do. Let's get him from Zimbabwe or ah, wherever they're coming st- from. Straight knockouts. <laughs> Knockout artists. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Anything below 154 game knockout. But it's out. an accident that turned out to yeah. be any good. But that's the gamble you take as a promoter, right? Yeah, yeah. Don't get me yeah. wrong. You can spend millions and it turns out to be bad. Yeah. But what I really enjoyed was that watching that decline of Amir Khan round by round. Because he started off and he was like, the hands were there. Like, oh my God, Amir Khan. And you watch it going, I think he gives a lot of people trouble at 147. Then he drops, he drops Vargas in the second round. So you're like, okay, Spence did this. The, all the guys have done this, right? He's going to end the fight now. 
He gets Khan gets he gets cleaned. <laughs> the, the, the right hand that got him was it was the same. I swear it was the same one Canelo threw. It just hit him flush on the left hand side of the jaw, and he did that thing. You know when Khan gets hit and his arms just flail out. It's it's brilliant. Like it, it was this be, early in the fight because I've not watched the fight. I know what I know the outcome. And he, I know. Yeah, he, so he got dropped in the second, and then after that. You could just see there was nothing in the Khan tank. He was just kind of nicking rounds. Like he wasn't in, tr- in danger of losing, but you always felt one solid shot to that chin, he's done. And Sammy Vargas is not known as a puncher. And then you're like, what would Thurman do to that chin? What the was- amount of people on Twitter, Sam Jones, Joe Joyce's manager, who was saying about oh, people uh, people say that Khan's got a poor chin. They don't know what- Khan has got a poor chin. And yeah. like, Willie Lemon fucking exposed it early doors in his career. But then Canelo, that right hand that Canelo threw on him, like, don't get me wrong, it was a great shot. But he threw the same shot on Canelo, uh, on Golovkin, and Golovkin stood there, took it. Now you can tell me Golovkin's a middleweight, Khan's a welterweight. Okay, but for that fight, Khan thought he was a middleweight. Bradis Prescott. Bradis Prescott didn't go on a, a knockout streak after he'd fucking finished Khan. He didn't knock out world-level fighters. Didn't, didn't, didn't put a dent in Kevin Mitchell. He did nothing. Danny Garcia, he's not a knockout puncher. Like, the, the Khan chin. I'm not... You can separate the Khan chin from calling him a British good, a British great. Those two things are entirely different entities. You can say he's got a suspect chin. And actually, if he didn't have a suspect chin, he might have achieved a lot more. But his fights might not have been as exciting, as fun as they've been. Can I ask a question? Did anyone know Sam Jones four or five years ago? If they did, what was he doing? Because it doesn't seem anyone knows what Sam Jones was doing in boxing. No, he's told us that he was around the gym, seeing all the great sparkers. I saw that on Twitter a while back. All right. Someone, Someone show me a picture of Sam Jones in a gym... Before 2016, more than happy to have a look because I don't buy it. Like, I just don't buy it at all. Garcia Porter. What's left of Khan before we move on? As I said, I didn't see the fight. Oh, so you haven't seen the... the Because there's, there's a heavy involvement of... Kel Brook was quite involved in the in the fight because they kept going to Kel. Like, what do you think of this fight? It can't stand all right. It's doing all right. You know, he's not doing he's not doing out that I wouldn't have done, but I would have probably taken Vargas out. Like as soon as I got you hurt, you're gone, baby. You know? And that's all it was. I so, eye and eye no, socket. No, so I'm gonna say this now. He came up with probably the best line. Like this rivals Gallagher's bum Leone for just it shouldn't <laughs> it shouldn't make me laugh, but sometimes I'm just there in the it bath. It's so far down I, the spectrum. And I just chuckle. You know, you'd be there in the bath going, he said bum Leone. <laughs> And you do that little laugh, but no, no, no. So, 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 so Kel Brook comes up. I worry about it. This is one of my favorite quotes. He goes, "I let Khan be the A side because I'm going to put him on his backside." Oh no! And I just oh. was like, "Oh yeah. no!" <laughs> you know, he's that been sounded that better in your head, didn't it? <laughs> it, sounded, it sounded better on the car journey down here, oh. Kel. Um, it was oh, brilliant. Now I've said it. I sound like a dickhead. Now that I'm talking about a man's backside. <laughs> Fuck's sake. Yeah, it carry on, Kel. So, so, so they have a post-fight interview. And and I think I've said this on the podcast before, Khan will never fight Brooke. Like, they dangle it because you can start any Amir Khan fight by saying, oh yeah, he'll fight Kel next. 
So you're going to tune in, obviously. But then Khan was like, no, I want to fight Pacquiao. What about Kel? Yeah, Kel's all right if I can't <sighs> get Pacquiao. But if I can get Pacquiao, I don't really care about Kel. Who cares about Kel, uh, Amir Khan anymore? I mean, I saw a couple of tweets. It was like, Khan or Brook, uh, Khan versus Brook, or I'm not interested. Can, can I propose Who a theory? Who cares about Khan versus Pacquiao? Does I, anyone? I, I do. No. I, really? Yeah. You know, but because they're two guys that used to just have the hands. Now they're going. Now they don't have the hands and the feet. Now they're not as quick as they used to be. But who can hit the other one first? And that yeah, person I, fall over. Listen, I want to see if Pacquiao can do to Khan what he did to Hatton. That's really why I'd pay to watch that. <laughs> nah, I was driving around earlier. I've been having a busy day. And uh, on the radio, they had All Saints playing live at some festival. Sh- Shouts out to Shaz, uh, Nick, and Nat. I mean, they train with Don Charles up in Boxer, so it's always nice to see them. Not what I was going to say, but <laughs> um, you know, they were on at some festival on Radio Two because that's what I listen to. Because I'm hardcore like that. <laughs> well, to be fair, if you listen to Radio One, it'd be a bit sad and tragic. Yeah, yeah. And there's nothing else to listen well, I mean, to. One extra. One extra. I'm not their target there, demographic. With Charlie Sloth, a.k.a. Sam O'Reilly. What's, t- what's the demographic of Radio 1 Extra? It doesn't matter. I listen. I'd imagine it's not a 35-year-old male like me. Nah, that... So, listen, if they had Westwood on there... Listen nah, to Radio 2. <laughs> they had Westwood on there till he was 57. <laughs> but Westwood. Look, oh. There's no football on, nothing like that. Yeah, I can't be bothered man. to plug my phone in. I'm a Radio 2 listener time to time, right? <laughs> um, and yeah, they had All Saints on at some festival... Like live at about three o'clock this afternoon. App- Appletons have fallen off a cliff, haven't they? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah they fun. are. Um, yeah, they have. Yeah. <laughs> they have, Terry. I know it hurts, but they have. You can shake your head. But I saw them on some Sunday breakfast show the other week, and I was just like, "Wow!" But was, what what I was linking this to is that I, for a start, I didn't even know All Saints are still going. They just got back together again. Have recently, they? Yeah. Right. So, like, if you were a casual boxing fan. Well, like, I always use my dad as a benchmark for this. If you're listening, shout out, dad. Um, like, he's interested in the, the big fights, not necessarily the, the Saturday night ones that Sky put on. But he'll watch, he'll watch a Fury, <laughs> a Joshua fight, etc. I was surprised that the All Saints were on this, like, playing for start, like, as a group. And then I thought, this is so sad. Like, back in the day, you were rivaling the Spice Girls as being, like, the biggest names within your arena. And now you're, like... Three o'clock at a festival Reduced. on a Sunday afternoon. Mm. And I thought, this is the same as, like, Calm Pacquiao. Like, my old man, if you told him Calm Pacquiao's on, he'd probably be shocked they're both still going in the yeah. sport. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> And, like, he would probably assume they're going to be an undercard to something good. Well, look, when you hear... Well, I, again, I, I don't know why I need to reiterate this to our listeners, but when you hit, listen to my opinion, it's always a casual opinion. And for me, it's like... Who gives a fuck about these two washed boxers? It's wow. far. That's how I. That is how I feel about <laughs> he the pair. to one extra. <laughs> I do. I do. I, that's how I feel about them. I'm like, I don't care. Like Pacquiao got smashed. I'm bored now. Khan's been smashed so many times. I'm bored now. Like I'm a w- prostitute. <laughs> I'm like, I'm not interested. And look, I accept that there's lots of people that have a deeper interest in me than me, sorry. In that- you? No, 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 no. There's very few of them. <laughs> Andy, how have you got the sofa? You're seeing, you just sat there all fucking casual He's chilled reclining. out. He's got his Burt Reynolds look about him today, <laughs> <isn't> he? R.I.P. <laughs> so, yeah, I just, look, I, I, yeah, I have no interest. I don't know where Khan goes. Like, Khan versus Brooke m- may be interesting. Won't but- happen. Khan won't give him the fight. 
Because he's such a mag, no. ma- oh, he's such a mega star. No, but see, here's my here's my theory, right? At Matchroom, there's a, there's an Operation Joshua, and it's this: Joshua's the goose that's laying all the golden eggs. Therefore, we protect him at all costs. So don't let him in the ring of car. I God's think sake. no, no. I believe I his wife. No, no. I, be- <laughs> no, I, I believe Josh, I believe Joshua did pipe his wife. Like no, seriously, pipe. I believe no. I, I believe he did. Love it. And the price the price for silence was. Khan gets to do all of these fights because he's not getting paid a pittance for that, right? They're basically running at a loss to pay Khan to do these fights because they're not pay-per-view. And what does it do? It buys the Khan silence. It protects Brad Joshua. <laughs> what a great idea. I hope that's true. Because I absolutely, absolutely hope no, that's true. No, but, but study everything that happens, right? You sign Usk. Why? Because he's a threat to Joshua. Yeah, yeah. You sign Ortiz. He's a threat to Joshua. Once you eliminate that threat... Maybe you have Ortiz by Joshua. Joshua gets the better of him. Ah, he's not that scary. Go back to America if you want. You see, Hearn did that interview where he said, oh, people think that I signed these people to keep them away. Nah, that's not what I'm about. <laughs> I, thought, I can't remember who was doing the interview. Maybe it was Rob Tebbett. Maybe it was someone else. I can't remember. Someone should have just brought up Luis Ortiz at that point. Like, stop the interview and bring up Luis Ortiz. Yeah. Explain it. Explain so, Dave Allen, so, Malik Scott. Because Khan signing to Matchroom doesn't make sense at this point because he hasn't generated the revenue. Right, or you'd have just put him on the zone because he's quite big in America. There are so many options you could have had with Khan fighting in Liverpool, yeah, fighting in Birmingham. Don't make any sense for Amir Khan. I imagine he's got a three fight deal, so there's a third fight that's going to come, and that will be the cash out fight. So that's not going to be a Brook fight because Khan won't give it to him. So now you're there, and you'll hear Hearn go, "We've made an offer to Pacquiao at some point. It won't be. Brooke. We'll put it on the zone. Yeah, it will be Pacquiao." Uh, will it be Dazon? Is he still? No, he's not. Is he still with Aram? Is no, he's not. Still? Yeah, so it could be on Dazon, and then Hearn can say, "Look, I've got a living legend on Dazon." Yep. Wow. So expect that story to build out because Khan was never there to fight Brook. Khan was there. It was like, look, we're gonna give you money so you don't make noise about what happened with your wife. Okay, <laughs> get you some marriage counselling and stuff. <laughs> I so hope that's true. But in the meantime, you've got to give us a couple of fights. We'll give you a couple of knockovers, if that's all right. We've got this guy in Zimbabwe. We'll bring him over. As long as he can't punch. Um, you know, you know, Amir Khan, before he fights you now, you've got to do that. You know that you get them at the fairground, the punch machine. <laughs> if you exceed 500, fights off. 300. <laughs> there are a couple of six-year-olds that Khan's had to avoid. <laughs> i got a mate I used to work with. He broke his hand on those. What? Big fella, big fella, like a unit of a man. Loveliest bloke in the world. Comes back from a stag do, hand like plastered, just in a state. He'd gone to punch you on a stag do, pissed up obviously. Misses the ball, hits the metal frame that's holding the ball. Oh, yeah. Like full whack punch, oh. puts his hand, and his hand like basically wrapped around the metal pole. <laughs> that's fucking me. Yeah. Horrendous. Ugh. Anyway, on that note, yeah. what, who was that? Is that? I won't give you a name. It's someone I used to work with. You wouldn't know him. Well, okay. I remember the bloke you did work with. Um, I think his name was Chris, and he could drink a pint in six seconds, yeah. and then he was like five seconds. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Do you remember that? that dude? No, yeah. no. Wait, wait. Has anyone seen the 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 Twitter clip of the guy that seems to just goes? I'm, I can't I'm, get my head around that. That can't. That doesn't look like a pint though. I haven't seen that. No. But it, it goes. Like, it has somebody doing like a quick pint, as in like the same as Agiza would have done it in six seconds, next to a man who 
just it's almost as if if I just got a cup and just threw it away, it's like doing that. Probably quicker than that. It's crazy. I'm going to look it up now. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Do you want me to look it up and you carry on with the yeah. uh, with the agenda? Oh, shit, we're doing a podcast, aren't we? Okay, yeah. Um, right, we're finally finished on Khan Vargas. Yeah, decent so card. Give give her his job. I'll, I'll, I'll pull him up when it's a horseshit card. But I enjoyed watching that. It's a horseshit card on paper. So <laughs> let's move on to Garcia Porter. Can we just give a quick mention to Prince Charles Martin? Was good I was to see him back. your Twitter stuff. This I morning. I love Fuck Charles so. Martin because he's just great, isn't he? Like Charles Martin's a guy that I don't believe should be in boxing for any number of reasons, but he still is, and he's still competitive. Like, and it doesn't look like he's trying. That's the thing I love about Charles Martin. He doesn't look he like really he's... didn't look like he was trying against Joshua. Nah, they, you know, they told him you got six million dollars. He was still trying to process that. Because I heard he took fair few uh, heavy shots in that fight last night. Like, he showed a bit of heart. He um, went down to a jab off of Joshua. No, so for me, this this Nowacki guy, is it's all hype. He, he He's not impressive. He's just busy. He's, he's, he's not in shape. He can just throw a shitload of punches. He looks like the guy that probably does the door at Pink's. If I'm being honest with you. That's what he looks like. You know those bounces you see? You're like... Yeah, you know, he's just probably tough as old boots and will throw a few shots. Charles Martin was trying to keep it technical and box, but he was getting to him towards the end. So the body shot started to take a toll. Had that been a 12 round, I think Charles Martin would have stopped him. And then that would have been game changing. I just think, I just love Charles Martin. He should have his own reality show. Andy, you're up. I can't find this video. Right, are you finally getting ready to talk about Garcia Porter? Shouts out to... uh... (laughs) Amanda I Serrano. Have, I must have said the words Garcia Porter about seven times so far in this sixth, podcast. Sixth division champion. Ignored. Big shout out to her. Just wanted to say that one. Right. We'll get, now we're good. We're good. Right. Canelo Triple shout G. Shout out to uh, Garcia Porter. I don't give a fuck. Neither you two. No, no, no. That fight was, it was important. The fight was very important. Right. Well, let's fucking talk about this important fight then. Really good fight. So. Shout out to. If you look at Garcia Porter, these guys have known each other probably for about 12 years. So go back to about 2006, you'd have had Keith Thurman boxing around 67 kilos, Porter boxing around 71, and Danny Jacobs boxing around 75. I know it was put out quite a lot last week, but what an incredible stat that Sean Porter beat Usyk in the amateurs. A lot of people did. But given that you've got one that's now gone down to welterweight and one that's a cruiserweight. About to be heavyweight. Yeah, yeah. Like what an incredible feat that is. Makes, anyway. you, makes you wonder how big Usyk really is, right? Just, you know. No, so so they've known, like, like, look, so you had Thurman, Porter, and Jacobs basically leading the charge for the US for a couple of years. Garcia joins that picture in 2007. And one of the interesting things is Garcia misses out on selection to the Olympic squad for 2008 as does Thurman, who loses to Demetrius Andrade. And Sean Porter loses to, I can't remember, it definitely wasn't Danny Jacobs, but I can't remember who it was. Maybe it was Danny Jacobs. So you got two guys in Porter and and Garcia. I found the video. I found the video. <laughs> That's amazing. That guy just like, it, where the fuck And it's gone. Go? It's like he just chucked it over his shoulder. Yeah, I know. Bosh. 
I don't even understand that. Like applying anything I know about fluid dynamics, just like how does all of that go down that tiny? Like how wide is his throat? Maybe he's a Papua New Guinean. <laughs> I'll tweet you out now if anyone is intrigued what the fuck we're on about. Uh, look for it Sunday 7.40 in the evening. Yeah. <laughs> Obviously, he won't have no... Oh, that's fine. Why is he, why is he retweeted that? Done. Um, well, right. We just pretend that I wasn't talking there. Did you uh, Did you finish Gossier, Paul? I wasn't really listening. <laughs> All right. <laughs> no, something against you. It's, uh, I was right. watching someone drink a pint of beer. All right. You know. Anyone else who watched it, feel free to carry on. I'm all right. I want to watch it now. Um, Canelo Triple G. Good versus bad. This is going to be awesome. There's going to be a podcast, and it'll be like, mate, you told us absolutely nothing about Garcia Porter. All right, oh, there you go. okay. We'll finish Garcia Porter. Well, 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 I know you watched it. I, I didn't watch any boxing. In fact, that's not true. I, I did watch Eddington get smashed by Joaquinho. No, look, Garcia Porter, like I've said before, Known each other for years. Um, there'd always been questions around Garcia. So if you talk to, that's right. Well, you know, there's no concentration here now. Come on, T. We're nah, listening. Nah, no one's listening. No, let's wrap it up. Let's all go home. Oh, no, 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 no. We just had to get some much-needed sustenance. Story about of, Garcia, mate, mate. What kind of soldier were you if you couldn't survive without fucking wine gums, sports mix? <laughs> Yeah, not just, just there, like, can you just send me the Papua New Guinea? I don't feel very strong. <laughs> now, nah, look, decent enough fight, but Garcia's always been known as being a bit fragile because he only has one way of boxing. And it's good when it works. And when it doesn't work, you get frustrated because what Danny Garcia can't really do is just say, I'm going to have a war with you. In the middle of this ring, we're just going to have a war. But and that seems to be mostly what Porter wants to do. Yes, but look at what Brooke did with him. Brooke just tamed him because all Brooke did is just use leverage. Whenever Porter came in, he'd put an arm on him, pin him down, make it really uncomfortable and just lever him off and let shots go quickly, then move off. So he knew how to manage all the breaks and contact. That win for Brooke has got better over time. Yes, because of and also how easy it was. It yeah. almost makes his decline after even more painful. Yeah. Staggering. Yeah, because... You know, when you watch Garcia, especially the, the first three rounds, he did everything beautifully. When Porter tried to box with him at range, it was just timing him on the way in, clipping him with left hooks, clipping him with right hands. And you felt if the fight had gone that way, Porter would have probably got dropped. But then some, I think he get, Porter gets hit with a right hand, probably the fourth round. And the old Porter comes back. It's almost like Garcia hit the switch. And it was the whole rolling, reckless with your head, and all that sort of stuff. And Danny Garcia couldn't tame him. And I think, you know, like you saw with Thurman, Thurman just said bollocks to this. You and I are just going to swing it out. And at some point, you just have to do that. But I don't think Garcia's got that in him. Because if you look at his career, at 140, Danny Garcia was a lot bigger than everyone. So he could afford to time you and hit you incredibly hard because you'd fall over. At 147, they're, they're taking the punches better and he hasn't got that that next gear. So you wouldn't want him with Errol Spence because Spence would have run over him in about three or four rounds. Thurman, we saw what happened there. So I, I, for Garcia, he, I know he's a hardcore favourite because of the way he boxes, but I look at him and I go, 
you'll always be at that. You're like a Robert Guerrero now. You're at that sort of level where you might challenge for a world title. Keep going, Terry. Wow. Microphone adjustment on the There spot. you go. So look, so like a Robert Guerrero, you might challenge for a world title. You might be in a pay-per-view fight, but I don't believe you'll hold a title for an extended period of time because there are too many people who will, who will kill you with work rate. There are too many people that will kill you with power. So I don't know what Danny Garcia does next, to be honest with you. Probably a fight with Adrian Broner. That would be a really good fight between the two of them. It's a great set of champions at 147. You think you've got Spence Crawford. Thurman's still got the WBA, somehow. And then Porter now with the WBC. Yeah. Like, it, I was listening to Cheap Seat Boxing the other day over in America. Shout out to them. So if you ever want an American perspective on things. They're uh, better than the boxing voice. Yeah, definitely, definitely worth a listen. And they were saying about, you know, it's... It's such a weak division. Like, although there's four decent champions, that's a division that could just do with tying up. That could do with a world boxing super series to happen. Just get the the top fighters out of that. I mean, how many of them are PBC? Three. Three are Heyman guys. Yeah, apart from Crawford with top rank. Yeah. And that, that PBC stuff's interesting now, isn't it? Now that uh, Heyman's gone and signed with Fox Sport. Well, it's Fox, isn't it? Not even Fox Sport. That's big. That Broner clip. That's brilliant. <laughs> He's going, you might as well be fighting on Vine. <laughs> <laughs> wow. It's like, instead of fighting on zone, you might as well be fighting on Vine. <laughs> is zone is ever going to catch fire, do you think? Is... I don't know. Like They've still not even launched the app in America. The only, like You can subscribe to it. So the Khan fight was on zone last night. But you can't watch it on the app, which is what you're essentially subscribing to. You have to watch it online at the moment. You can't get the app in America. You can't get it over here. But, you know, America is their launch place at the moment, aside from well, the they've got two got weeks, Canada right? and Japan or whatever. But they've got the Joshua fight, haven't they? Yeah, so be... they've got two weeks to get it set there up. There must but... be a lot of bollockings going on around those design I'm offices. A, of... I, I imagine it's infrastructure issues. So if you're on Netflix, for example, you can set up your infrastructure and go, this is how many people expect to access. This is how much data we're going to store. This is the access. No, no, no. You can do the formula. But for live streaming, you're looking at a completely different infrastructure profile. So they're probably trying to test it. But how do you test it without using live footage? Yeah. So I think they're going to struggle. And I imagine there'll be teething issues. I'm surprised they didn't use this card as the test bed. But they've already got it in other countries. Why is it? I mean, I know America's a different animal, a different beast, but it's not. you're not going to get a million subscribers on day one. So they must know how it works in their other marketplaces. But yeah, but it's down to those things like, where are your data centers? So let's say you've got a European zone and all the, data, all the data is held in Germany, right? Because you, theoretically you can do that. You can just have one data center. Now you've got to have a data center in America. What are your performance figures, you know? How long does it take for the signal to go back? Everything changes. So even if you're out by 10% compared to your European model, you've got to then test for that. It's, it's, it, I have sympathy for people that have to set up infrastructure for shit like that. It's not easy. Okay, so getting some sort of semblance of structure. Yeah, so, right? so, so Portal wins. I think it was 116, 112, 115, 113, 115, 113. Um... I just don't like Porter as a champion. Like he, it's just not. Pleasant. It's not legitimate, is it? Really? No, nah, and it's not pretty. It's not. He, it's just he's horrible. And refs need to start taking points off him for being so reckless with his head. 
If Serena Williams can lose a game for calling someone a thief, come on, Porter can lose a point for headbutting, right? <laughs> Let's move on. Happy with that? Shouts out to Chris Medley. Real, a real coach's coach, taking guys from zero to Commonwealth titles while all these other people are trying to be nominated for trainer of the year, but they're just taking elite fighters already and just polishing what's already something good. Chris Medley, keep doing your thing. Didn't John Pilata fight last night? Well, mate, I was waiting for you to do the small hall roundup. No, I wasn't there. I was down watching Kevin Bridges. Well, I haven't seen anything from last night. Um, so, <sighs> I might as well just jump in with two feet. That was a, that was a horrible card. Like, that was a horrible, horrible, horrible card. You can't charge people 40, 60, or 100 quid for that. No, 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 no. That was horrible. Like, I know you can't say this now because obviously, you know I mean, you know, we know who signs the checks. But, <laughs> sorry? What checks? <laughs> I wish I had checks on Steve. <laughs> <laughs> it was, it was a, it was a horrible. It was. Do you know what it was? It was almost like I've got a date. I'm just going to fill it with these people. Fuck it. I don't even think Steve expected to make a profit from that. It was just. Uh, do you know when you looked at the names? Oh, because originally I was going to buy a ticket to go, and I looked at the names and I went, "John, I'm just going to give John the cash when I see him. Like I'd pay not to watch this." It was just. It was rancid. Like I didn't really, I didn't really get what the point was of that card. And and like when Steve gets it right, I'll say Steve got it right. This one, you had Dwayne Sinclair against. Dominic. I never know which Felix brother it is. Dominic. Okay, so against Dominic Felix, right? All right, I get what you're saying. It's a semi-final for a tournament. Okay, fine. That's what I've come to watch. But that was bout number ten, and there was another seven to go after that. So you've already tailed, you've, you've peaked here and then the buzz is tailing off because obviously Dwayne's got that kind of London buzz. Um, I remember him fighting Javan Young. How the hell Javan Young stopped him, I don't know. Good fight though. Um, and then you had Inesu Twala against... Dave Birmingham. So Dave I, Birmingham beat him. So I saw, so I was getting, I was getting the little Instagram clips of that fight and... I'm going to call him Jess. I know you guys call him Anessu Twala, but Jess got found out. And it's a shame because there's so much talent there, but there's so little application that you begin to wonder. I know that there was a question, wasn't there, about daily. There like, is. Like, this is daily. So maybe it's a good time from to, Anonymous. To, to address this now. Um, yeah. It was from Anonymous, wasn't it? Yeah. From Anonymous. Seeing the first defeat for a daily... Pirellas. Pirellas fighter last night and having heard multiple stories of their weight struggles and poor conditioning do their camp have less to worry about Instagram uh, have to worry less about Instagram and more about the fundamentals so no I'm going to defend daily because Mo Garib will fight and I imagine Mo Garib right now is close to being on weight but Mo Garib is an amateur who has boxed over 90 times so he knows how to live to make weight, right? So I don't think that's a daily problem. Like, you're a professional boxer. Making weight is your responsibility. Your coach is there to guide you, but he can't pull the weight off you. So if people are coming in looking flabby and out of shape, are they listening to their trainer? 
you know? That loss was coming. That's not a surprise to people who have known him for years. That's what we expected to happen. You could have put him in on his debut against Dave Birmingham, and that's exactly what would have happened. You could have put him in in, in his 30th fight with Dave Birmingham. That's exactly what would have happened. The minute you're active against certain fighters, you, you've got them beat. It's that whole Sean Porter, Danny Garcia thing. If you don't have it in you to match someone's work rate, the judges aren't going to give it to you. So I don't, I'm not going to blame Daly because it's hard enough being a trainer. Like you can't do everything for everybody. Like It's up to you. Live the life. I think the question here focuses more around... Um, Daly puts a lot of stuff up about uh, the flash-looking bits. And I think, to be fair, there are certain people... Uh, are probably waiting for him to fail because he talks a lot about being an undefeated coach. Which is a shame. emphasis on the, the undefeated element. But remember, right? People forget this. He's getting maybe 100 quid off these guys every time they fight. But he's got a family. So how do you expect him to feed himself? He has to be out there on Instagram promoting himself and his services because that's how he makes a living. You know, I know there's a whole thing about how authentic are you in boxing, but I understand that he's got to make a living. So until the purses get bigger, expect to see more of him on Instagram. I'm not I'm not averse to that. You know, in boxing, we know who can train and who can't. Like if you're out there and you're just observing from the sidelines, I understand it's a lot harder, but we know who can train and we know who can't. And if you're a young boxer on your way up, you also need to learn how to make the distinction too. Otherwise, you'll end up in a situation you can't really get out of anytime soon. Uh, should we take some questions? Do it. Oh, no, no. Let's finish this Goodwin card. You know. Go for it. None of us were there. It'd be fun. Well, it's, yeah, it's disappointing. You know, well, Brooks sat there on her own. You know, we'll I'm there in. next weekend. Well, who's boxing next weekend? It's meant to be Joel McIntyre, Miles Shinkwin for the English. What's happened to Shinks? He's injured. Um, there's another guy with an interesting amateur history like Miles Shinquin's been really fucking good for fucking ages so he was he might have been in the same junior Olympics as Amir Khan and Flash Ash Sexton that's how far back he goes in terms of being elite so it would have been when Khan I want to say he beat Victor Ortiz in 2003 or 2004 and Shinquin was in that squad too so that shows you, like, he, and he's always been there or thereabouts. He's always had an England vest every year or every two years. So never forget how good Miles Shinquin is and his brother Liam. Is his brother Liam? I think so. So he's a good guy. Uh, Joel McIntyre, you know, he won me a bet. So <laughs> I like Joel now. He's a good guy. But yeah, they have they have good fights when they meet. You know, it was going to be their third fight. But uh... that's a shame that Miles is injured. Yeah. He is. I was looking forward to that fight. Wow. Um, Save your money, stay in. But the big fight, there's a big fight night in October. It's that Iqbal Camacho. Um, Absolute disgrace, that is. So fucking disgrace. Why? Now, <laughs> now no, no, no. Here, here, here's why, right? And, and I'm not telling the company line this. I actually, no. I don't mind seeing the fight again. I, I'm about consistency. A year ago, I was pulling, I was pulling up the issue of holding belts hostage, right? Whether it's Eddie Hearn, whether it's Steve Goodwin, whoever's holding belts hostage, I'm going to address that because it stops certain fights getting made. Wadi and Arfan have kind of fought before. So have Wadi and Isaac, which no, is what people no, wanted. No, no. And like what I, various no, people wanted. I think my tweet said, I'd like to see Wadi versus Isaac from a selfish perspective. 
But go down the bloody list. I don't mind who on that list gets that chance. But can we have something different? Let's have something where we can go, oh, that's interesting. But we don't know if our fans are going to show up in shape. Right? I know what Wadi brings to the table. And I'm a, everyone knows I'm a big respecter of Wadi Camacho for the fact that he's done it the right way. And maybe he's found his level. Yeah, he's won some, lost some. Yeah, won some, lost some. He's won the ABAs. He's boxed for his country. He has great memories in the sport of boxing because he's fought guys that have gone on to do stuff in the pros. My issue here is there have been enough things where Arthur Nigba hasn't fought or hasn't this, you, where you're just like, come on, man. Give it to someone who's hungry. I don't mind who that is. Tommy McCarthy, maybe. Someone like, just put someone in there where you're like, okay, you winning this belt is going to elevate your career. That's all I'm saying. So here would be the thing, right? Let me explain how this works. Why did Camacho was made mandatory? Uh, Akoli dropped the title to go and fight yeah. Askins. Right decision. Right, so as then the mandatory with no title holder... Um, they then presented a list of fighters that you could fight. So he was basically treated as a champion, and this was like a voluntary. So they tried to sort out various fights. Tony Conquest was one. Um, Peter Sims fighter. Now, from what I understand, like Tony Conquest wanted TV money. I might be right, might be wrong about this. From what I understand, Tony Conquest wanted TV money. Hearn showed an interest in it and then said, nah, it's not really one that we want. So at that point, that fight's not available. So you need, like, if you want to see Isaac Chamberlain, here's the issue. Isaac Chamberlain is from Matchroom. Matchroom need to put the offer, the fight together. And from what I understand, nothing ever came forward about that. So all these people, like Luke Watkins, were saying he wanted the fight. But as soon as there wasn't anybody willing to put it on TV, and therefore you're not going to get the TV money, nobody wanted it. But it's a bit of a coincidence that it's ended up being an in-house fight. I can't, I can't believe for a second that in the, all the universe of cruiserweights, you just end up with... But you've got a very short list of people that the Commonwealth will approve for it. What was the list? I'll ask Steve when I see him. Because I don't want to speak without knowing those facts. Because it, it feels like this belt's being held hostage somewhat. And that's, that was my concern before. Like we said it with Frank, where I felt the belt was being held hostage until he got his Lonsdale. But Callum Johnson got me... I mean, he restored my faith in the sport again. And here's the thing I don't like. Fighters that keep belts, and then when it goes to purse bids, they drop them. Fucking annoys me, that. Like, you could have dropped that title. Lawrence Ocoli could have dropped that title a long time back. And then Hearn didn't win the purse bid. For, I don't even know if he bid. Um, Steve Goodwin won that purse bid for that. And then Ocoli drops the title. Like, fighters are holding up other titles or titles being able to be fought for by other fighters. Um, Josh Kennedy, he was due to fight Michael Ramabalazza, rematch for the English title. Goes to purse bids, Frank Warren and co. don't win it, and so they drop the belt and go off and do Tyrone McCulloch versus Josh Kennedy, which is a fantastic fight, but why hold that English title until you lose a purse bid? Just let other people start progressing their careers so, with them. But look, scratching beneath that surface for... The layman, why do they actually do that? What's the tactics well, involved in well, that? Sometimes... Just to hold on to it for as long as possible. Yeah, hold on to it and nobody why? else can fight for well, it. And also, they f- until you firm up your options. So let's say I've got a belt and someone's like, all right, Terry, you're, you're British cruiserweight champion, right? Look at that head. Mm. You're British cruiserweight champion. What we're trying to do is get you a European title shot. 
I, I'm going to drop my belt if you confirm that European title shot. If we sign all the paperwork for that, I will drop my belt. So I'm going to hold on to it until that paperwork's signed because I could vacate now. That falls through. I'm just there with my dick in my hands. You see, you always do that yeah. contract signings. We did fine, but those those ones that I've suggested, like a Coley Askin, was always going to happen. From what I understand, oh. um, Josh Kennedy, Tyron McCulloch's an easy fight to make. The one I just mentioned about Anthony Yard, he held on to that Southern Area cruiserweight title for fuck knows how long after we beat Chris Hobbs. I think he forgot he had it. To be I honest. think he probably did. <laughs> you know, sometimes you can just be like, "Oh, oh yeah." What do you mean? I had? I thought I'd vacated as soon as I won it. But I gave it back to them. A lot of these scenarios end with fighter A has a purse bid with fighter B. The fighter who's holding that belt doesn't win the purse bid. Their team, and so at that point they drop it. And because. Why, well, their the promoter, their manager, whoever, them, may not want to fight on an away show. So once you've lost that purse bid, well, I'll just drop the belt then at that point. That might be the scenario for some. Yeah. I'm not saying that is like for Lawrence Okoli. Don't get me wrong with the Camacho fight. He 100% is always going to fight Askins. And that's always the right fight for him to take. But yeah, it's just a rant, really. That it, it annoys me. Yeah, if we like do rants. That. We like rants. But no, we've well, missed rants. But th- that Saturday card, John boxed yesterday as well. Um, I'm always going to be biased, so I'm going to say glad he got the win. There's things that he can work on. There's a point yeah. to him, isn't it? Yeah, and in in my head, I don't think John should be having points wins at this point. Uh, we have been going for an hour and 35 minutes. We'll, we'll be quick on this one. So no, for me, I'd like to see John, and, and, and this is always the risk with John. You've got to match him hard, I think. That's how you get the best out of him. So you've got to put him in with guys where he might not win. And then you seem to get the performances out of him is just how I judge his psychology. He's the sort of person where I'm 100% confident. If you left him in GB for a year, sparring Joshua, at the end of that year, he'd be giving Joshua hell. Like I wouldn't be surprised if he was getting the majority because he always finds a way to get to the level of his opponent. So he's a guy that you have to keep stretching and pushing. But no, you know, if you were at the York Hall yesterday, I hope you had a good time. I wasn't going to spend money on that card because it, it, didn't, it didn't do anything for me. Quotes, it was a horrible, horrible, horrible card. Well, okay. And you now, thought, no, now benchmark no, it, no. Benchmark it against the Brentwood Centre on the 21st of September. What's on that? I haven't seen. Um, There's just names. I haven't got opponents. I'm okay with that. But just even the names. <laughs> fucking pointless. <laughs> but even just the names. I I'm don't like, want to go yeah. and watch 10 knockover jobs. I'm all right with that. Jake Ball, back in the game. Ah, oh, he's fucking... I feel for Jake Ball, really. Like, you know how you said Anthony Yard forgot that he had the Southern area? I think Eddie Hearn forgot that he's, he's got had Jake, Jake Ball. Ball. <laughs> I think Jake Ball's really got to carve out his own opportunities. Right you know now. when Watsy's just become so big, Hearn's just forgotten that Jake's just behind him. Yeah. He's like, oh, let's go, let's go, let's go. And Jake's like, Eddie, Eddie. But look, what do you do in that situation? You know, Hearn's nailed his colours to his mask now in terms of who he's going to back going forward. Yeah, there's a whole raft of people that have come through that yeah. have left Jake Ball, Craig Richards to an extent. Like, just put the two of them together, release a loser, keep the winner. Yeah, let, let, let Jake go to Frank and let him go and see what he can do. But no, but the 21st, in terms of just like names, at least I get where they're going with that on the 21st. It's we need to push these guys on. I get that. I don't know what was happening last night. 
when I looked at that list, I was like, it's no different. There's literally mm, no difference. Well, the, in terms of caliber of names, A, there is. But in terms of the fights, I'm looking at Anessa Twala and I'm like, okay, this is the one fight where I know this is a, we need to see what he can do. So that, that was a benchmark fight and I got it. And the feedback of it suggested stuff that we'd discussed has but come true. But you can't true. say these ones on the MTK show. I'm not slagging off the MTK show at all, at all. But you can't say it's better or worse because they haven't got opponents yet. No, no, wait, 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 wait. So how can you say whoa, you know whoa, where they're going whoa, whoa, with whoa. it? No, you do though. Because if you got, they haven't no, got opponents. No, 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 no. You see, you're, look, no, you're looking at it differently. You've got Dan Aziz, you've got Jake Ball. Uh, fuck knows who the rest of them are. But it's that sort of ill, Brilliant. right? But it's so definitely good. worth paying no. for. No, but contrast that with that, that, that guy from Hertfordshire that maybe boxed in the Harringay seven years ago and so forth. And I was just like, these names don't do anything for me. <laughs> but all right, these names to play devil's advocate, do you don't even know half of the people that are on that on that other card. I do, man. I just don't remember. But I do know. Because right, okay. I have to remember, remember, I'm looking, I'm like, I'm looking at this card because I'm like, A, where's JP on this? More importantly, where's Junior Saba? Did you not see? Okay. Uh, he's retired again. There was an issue. Um, I'm not going to quote, just go on his Instagram. He's put up a long post about it. Okay. So yeah, go up on his Instagram. Like, I feel for the kid. He's had, uh, he's had another issue that... I'm, I'm not going to talk about it here because I can't remember it. No, it's quite a personal but, thing. But I, yeah, I think we're in that climate now. Uh, we're in that climate now. I think for me, the Charlie Wynn thing really brought it home because Charlie's the guy that's gone on to become a friend through boxing. So he's he's he boxed one of my good friends, Ross. I don't know if you met Ross at the live show, but yeah. Ross was down. So they boxed in like the London ABA finals. So I got to know Charlie through that. I knew him when he boxed with the Rumbles as well. And then when he boxed back at Fisher. So I've known Charlie for a long time. And so to hear what had happened was tragic. Now, there's a backstory which isn't worth probably sharing on, on a podcast for obvious reasons. But there's a backstory to that. And it was scary because it's a reminder that boxing is a very dangerous sport. But paradoxically, had he not been a boxer and something had happened, he would have been in trouble. But because he's a boxer and the injury happened in the gym, experienced people were able to realize what had happened and they got him to hospital in time. That could have been fatal. So I'm, I'm, I'm happy he's alive. I'm gutted that he doesn't get to box again. But it's a, it's a reminder that we need to make sure we retain the highest standards when it comes to boxer safety. And I'm, I'm of the view that Anything that feels like a red flag, don't let them box because it's a heavy burden for the families to carry if something goes wrong. And we've had a few, we had a few instances. There was the the Scott Westgar thing, and these all weigh heavy on the sport. And you know, I don't think boxing will be the only sport, but you look at what's happening with the NFL, where I think the NFL owners have put aside one billion dollars because they know that the lawsuit's coming around repeated head traumas. So that's definitely coming. The NHL are likely to follow suit. I know the RFU in England are looking at what contingency arrangements do they need. And it might be a case that, you know, the British Boxing Board of Control will also have to have a contingency fund. We're in an era now where we're, still, we're understanding more about repeated head traumas 
And a lot of these findings are getting quite scary. Should we just talk about Andy's love wall? Wow. I mean, let's let's do. Should we do like a what was Tony Hart? We'd go around the uh, the wall and then they have that music. Who the fuck's Tony Hart? Ooh. Wait a minute, this is more uh, like Mike Oldfield, right? Yeah, tubular da, 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 da. Tony Hart was the artist who had Morph. Do you remember Morph, little Play-Doh plasticine nah. dude? Oh man, you've missed I out. remember that Art Attack guy. Which one? Neil. Neil something, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, is he dead? I've know. got a feeling he's dead. That's a shame. He was all right. I didn't mind him. Maybe he's not. I don't know. Well, Oh, imagine that. Imagine he's dead and Pat Sharp's still alive. What kind of world is that? Pat Sharp's still on our local radio station. Like, does he live in Milton Keynes? No, and I don't know if this is like a national thing. Someone tell me. But he does like MKFM. Um, and I'm always like, why is he not just up to his nuts in those twins still? I don't understand. I imagine you, you, you feel the same way about them that you do about All Saints. Yeah, like if they turned up, I'd wonder, what the fuck are you, what are you doing here? <laughs> Maybe, they might be serving you in Lidl or Aldi. Maybe, but both of them. I'd need both of them to serve <laughs> me. Like Siamese. <laughs> Sorry, Andy. We uh, we No, nah, so... No, nah, I, I just... I think there's an existential threat to these small whore boxing promoters because if you look at what MTK are doing now, it's a real aggressive push. Like When you're signing kids like James Hawley, right? Uh, what is James? James is... I don't even think James Hawley's 20. And he used to box for the Fisher in London. And they've signed him. And they're signing guys of that ilk now. And they're doing it in London. And they're doing it in Wales. And they're doing it in, in the Northwest, in the Northeast, in Scotland. And what you're starting to see is like a federation of MTK promotions. And can it really be hard? If you've got a ticket seller in Liverpool and a ticket seller in Essex, you can actually make that fight happen on either on either side because you're controlling the revenue. So once you get to that point, what can the small hall promoters offer that MTK can't? Which is fine. And MTK do some really, really, like, I like a lot of their matching of fighters. Then I'll go back to the one that they did their kickoff show on Box Nation from up in Glasgow. The one that had David Brophy on it and then Chris Jenkins versus the Australian fella. The show was garbage, man. Like, not being horrible too much about it, but it was it was a poor show. Um, to kick off the Box Nation era whereby they've got the contract. But I'm sure they've got so many good fighters, MTK, that the shows will improve over time, I'm sure. And they did the Wales one on Friday night, didn't they? Streamed it again on uh, IFL. And I'm sure things will improve over time because they've got such a a huge raft of talent. As you say, like, if you can get lads, if you, they're doing, like, what they're doing is, why is what they're doing is good, of building up lots of hubs of MTK around the country. If you can build them up from the ground up and then after seven, eight fights, you start matching them together. Fantastic. So I get there's a long-term aim to it and I I wish them nothing but the best with it. I think there's maybe going to be a short-term lack of star attraction that's going to possibly hinder them a little bit. But on the other hand, they've obviously got a very close working relationship with Frank Warren. They can maybe bring in some of his fighters. Look, they're pulling down guys like Jake Ball. Yeah. They're managing to sign guys like Danny Dignam. And for for all the times I hear people say Dignam's limited, maybe at the televised level, but Danny can do a job in a small hall show. So you've now got, in that sort of London, Essex and Kent area, you've now got a pretty strong presence. And it's a presence that in about a year and a half time will rival what Steve's got. Yeah. 
And then Good. You, like, you, yeah, so you get that hub. I'm sure they'll build out in the southwest as well. Might be a bit harder, but you build out in the southwest in Wales. Then you move into the Midlands. You already have the northwest kind of moving your way. And then the northeast will be like whatever Hearn doesn't need. And you do your work with like Phil Jeffries and so forth. And then you've got Scotland and you've got Northern Ireland. If you can bring in really, really good competition in every area of the country, boxing fans benefit. Yeah. That'd be great. Great for everyone around the country. But then what? why would you need guys like Errol Johnson and so forth? You'll be like, well, you can't give me this, mate. You can give me a couple of guys and some Latvians and that's all well and good, but you can't give me the best middleweight in the Midlands, the best middleweight in the Northeast fighting each other. At some point, MTK will be able to do that. I suspect so, yeah. And so do you, yeah. So it's an existential threat to small hall boxing. I don't know how you respond to that. Get better. That's what they have to do. And fingers crossed, you'll start to see it everywhere. And if they don't, then they'll go out of business. That's life, isn't it? That's evolution. Moving on, finally. To Canelo Triple G, number two. Canelo looks considerably smaller than I, I, the first I, I, I time around. I give zero fucks about this fight. I uh, sent, I uh, sense that they're only fighting you... to make money. But it was what? But the the winner can conceivably say, "Yeah, okay, the justice has been done now." Can't they? From the first fight, uh, well, no, both no, claim to if, have if, won if, it the first if time. If Canelo around. wins, it's like oh, you cheated. You know what Golovkin fans are like. Golovkin fans can't accept reality like they're all like flat <laughs> earthers aren't they <laughs> totally tying everyone with the same yeah no nah, because you remember after the first fight when it was a draw you would have thought that canelo had been dropped seven times in that fight the way they were talking and then you watch it back and you go all the really good work came from canelo all the stuff you really want to reward came from canelo the intelligence the punch picking, the accuracy, all from Canelo, the speed, all from Canelo. Golovkin was just granite chinned and a guy looking for a knockout. But if you tell Golovkin fans that, that, what was your opinion? I can't remember what your opinion of the first fight was. As in who do I think won? Yeah. Golovkin. All right, okay. But I know what Terry's saying. I didn't think Golovkin won it by eight rounds. I thought he just won it. Um, Is the earth flat? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> but I think the only thing that will satisfy 90% of boxing fans is to see Canelo wiped out in this fight um, just because of the way it's all happened yeah you just sense this is this is a revenue generating exercise yeah because I you think, need a line under it I think in, in his heart Golovkin's probably like I don't like this guy I don't even want to fight yeah. but, but the numbers are so big have you watched the 24-7 or whatever they call it now the HBO nah. thing it's actually quite interesting because Golovkin very much is of that ilk of like before the first fight I respected him and now I just feel like he doesn't respect the sport and so how can I respect him um, and then Canelo's like ah uh, well Chica like Chica I don't know what um, <laughs> he's a big X Factor fan of the, the <laughs> mid 2000s um, it's all he bloody talks about <laughs> <laughs> it's Chica time um <laughs> But no, he uh, he basically says, like, I think his dislike for Golovkin <laughs> is less than Golovkin's for Canelo. Yeah. Um, but I think Canelo just wants it over and done with. Yeah. I think Canelo just wants to move on. Because if you look at Canelo, like, of the active boxers now, like, his CV is beyond question. He's a guy that you look wow. at his record and you go, yeah, fucking hell. Like, 
that's that's a pretty good record. He's done Khan. That's that's enough. Yeah, <laughs> that's enough. He could have just done him. He took his whereas, whereas Golovkin has so many question marks on his CV, where you're like, uh, really, really, for all this power and this fearlessness that you claim to have, that's not a great record, mate. If Golovkin was to knock Canelo out, what would your reaction to that be? I'd respect that. That as a win. It'd be his best win by a long, long, long way. But he'd have to give me two or three more fights where I'm like, Ooh. What do you believe is Golovkin's best win to date? Danny Jacobs. And that was controversial. Uh, Canelo's best win to date? Khan. Uh... <laughs> it's tricky because remember, he started so young that some of those early fights were step-ups for him and he came through. Even a fight like a Matthew Hatton is, you know, we, we slate the name Matthew Hatton, but look, Canelo was like 12 when he beat him. <laughs> you know, But for me, it's Miguel Cotto because when you beat someone as crafty, intelligent and experienced as Cotto, the way you beat him, that's a good win. Maybe the Austin Trout one because Austin Trout was still a live opponent, but is slightly tarnished by the fact that they had the... The, open the scoring. scoring. Yeah, I, I, I don't like that. Yeah. Open scoring. So they gave you the scores after round three, after round six and round nine. Uh, okay. They let the, the fans, the fighters know what the scores were. So by round nine, if you're six rounds up, then you can just walk through the, the remaining rounds without taking any risks. What, uh, what? Why does that happen? Why did that happen and when does it happen? Well, because people got annoyed with reading scorecards at the end and going, that's bullshit. So you, you got to hear what the judges were thinking as you went through You got granular fight. bullshit. It's yeah. great. <laughs> <laughs> but don't forget, next weekend, Brandon Cook versus Mungoya on the undercard Yes, of that. our new friend, Brandon Cook. Yeah, our pod-endorsed Brandon Cook. Yeah. Um, like, I wish Brandon nothing but the best. It's a huge ask. I think he knows that. Mungoya seems to have built up this fearsome reputation. He's only a young man, isn't he? But he's huge for the weight, huge for 154. Um, the key thing with those sorts of fights... Don't let the puncher get confident. So you've either, like, if he catches you clean, you've got to use all your reserves to just act like it didn't hurt, or you've got to have your defense tight. Like, you've got to make sure that in the first two rounds, you've drilled every possible scenario. So when he does unload, he's missing or they're cuffing blows. Why? Because when punchers lose confidence, and they normally lose it after two or three rounds, then it levels out. And then by the time they get their confidence back halfway through the fight, the power that was there in round one isn't there anymore. So you just want to, it's that just managing that psychology. And a lot of people are too keen to force their own agenda on a punch and they get caught. Yeah, Brandon had a rough time when he was meant to be fighting Kel Brook over here and then that all got pulled. That was brilliant. When when he was like, he just came into the podcast, uh, the live show. He's like, yeah, Kel's injured. And then we had to show the pictures. Like, nah, mate, he's not injured. <laughs> He's like, well, well, you know, he's like, when was that taken? Yeah. I think it was today. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Maybe so, that's why Heard doesn't like you. <laughs> I think there's many reasons he doesn't like me. <laughs> None of which I give a fuck about. But, um, yeah. So, a big quilt. <laughs> so we wish nothing but the best to Brandon going out there. And it's a once in a lifetime opportunity on the undercard of Triple G Canelo fighting for a world title. Like, I just, you know, I hope he takes that opportunity. Yeah, and if you can catch the Craig Scott interview with 
the Ajax Hitman, Bad Boy Cook. Unboxing Social. Yes, shouts out to Rob Tebbett. Great interview with Shane McGuigan. That is actually. brilliant interview. It was a guy, I don't know, brilliant. It was all right. You just called it great. Yeah, it was great. <laughs> got to keep Rob. You just called it great. Nah, you got to keep Rob on his toes though, because you know, like I think he might get complacent now that he's all corporate. And he's that. definitely confused. Well, well, you send it to Papua New Guinea. <laughs> get your strength. Have we got some questions? One. We should quickly run through. We do. Um, quickly being got, the operative word. Well, I mean, we've also got. Um, you, how long we've been on here? Fury Wilder to get through. One 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 hour fifty four. I'll skip Fury Wilder. It's bullshit. Announce a date, Frank. No, don't, Frank. I don't want them to. I love this. I love the fact that no one really knows. It's coming Stringing soon. it out. It's you know one... they'll do it during Joshua Povetkin. Well, no, but here's the genius of it, right? You announce that they're going to fight. It just takes all the gas out of Joshua Povetkin. All of it. Because now now people are going to say, well, when are you going to fight Wilder? Ooh, me and my team will sit down. All right, cool. April, you fight Dillian White. When are you going to fight Wilder? Then you're going to fight Chisora. When are you going to fight Wilder? Then you might fight Miller. You might fight Usyk. When are you going to fight Wilder? Mm. Meanwhile, that gives Fury all the time in the world to make this fight happen. He can say, I want two more tune-ups. We can't be upset because Joshua's never going to fight him soon anyway. Oh dear. Question for the pod uh, from Danny Watley. What is happening with Brooke? Why is he inactive? Is he pinning his hopes on Khan? Briefly touched on this earlier. Brooke's a world level fighter, right? I heard rumours are offering him 25 grand to fight someone like a Brandon Cook. So you're like, nah, what, what has he done to deserve that? Nothing. Kel, Kel deserves better than that. But then who do you put him in with? Like, all the champions at 154 are killers. Like, they're killers. You put him in, even with a Liam Smith. He's, a, I mean, that's a, that's a hard fight. A Liam Williams. These are all hard fights for Kel Brook in his current state. It's got to be all or nothing. World title fight or... Yeah. So he's there going, I want Khan because Khan's a relatively low, low risk fight for him. That's what he's probably thinking at the moment, but... Cal's career was over the minute he beat Porter and Eddie Hearn didn't say we want the Mayweather fight. Then it was over. It was done. Okay, so to piggyback on top of that, Andy Scott asks, if you imagine Kelbrook, how would you manoeuvre him over the next six months? Over a barrel in Papua New Guinea. <laughs> <laughs> That's his vacation sorted. What about his boxing career? You just feed him. Get him a world title eliminator. But then the Brandon Cook fight was a world title eliminator. So if you didn't want that, which I get because the money wasn't what he's used to getting, it's not what he's accustomed to, fine. But you he's done nothing at 154 pounds other than fight Sergei Rubchenko to deserve a world title fight. So I think he's either got to accept, I've got to take a, a big payout fight somewhere for a world title it may not even be a big payout. It may just be for a world title that he then gets a big payout for if he wins. But let me Always got to go down that eliminator route. But So the world champions are Charlo, Heyman, Hurd, I imagine there's Heyman too, uh, Mungia, Golden Boy. Fuck, who's the IBF? Pass. Unless someone's got two. Whoever it is, but I don't Brooke's think... best hope is that Hearn signs them and he gets paid to fight them in America. 
you know, but otherwise, then you're just scratching around and you're begging Frank for Liam Smith. Okay, James Sunderland asks, of all the active boxers in the latter stages of their careers or recently retired, who would make the best coach and why? I think Bellew will. I'm not a massive Bellew fan. I just... He can talk a lot of sense about boxing. I think Groves would make a very good one. He does actually mention, he goes that someone like George Groves would be invaluable as someone, as I'm not sure, uh, uh, invaluable to someone rather. Uh, I'm, not, I'm sure his experience and emotion that he's been through his career would be valuable. Actually, I'm going to go with Bellew purely because it will keep him off the sky cameras when he retires. <laughs> well, he hasn't done that for Caldwell. Well, that's true. But look, it's it's not as simplistic as good fighters make good trainers. In fact, the inverse is probably true. It's probably worse to be a good fighter because speaking from experience and having been a hard learner myself, you have to have made a lot of errors to help someone develop because you have to see the errors, right? If you're a, a George Groves and you've had Mickey Delaney coach you as an amateur, then you've had Adam Booth. Then you've had Paddy Fitzpatrick. Now you've got Shane McGuigan. You've kind of had a lot handed to you, if that makes sense. You know, you've had a lot handed to you that you haven't had to go and discover for yourself. So then you start to look at who do you think would be a good trainer? You go off the beaten track. And you look at guys like... Even a Ryan Rhodes. Ryan Rhodes has had it tough. You know, he's had a, he had a, a real up and down career. You look at someone like him, I think when he retires, I'd look at someone like a Wadi Camacho as another example of someone who will be a good trainer. It will always be guys who've had to do it the hard way. Because when you've had to do it the hard way, chances are you've become a good boxer by deduction. So you've gone from here are a thousand things I could possibly know to I've had to distill it down to what works. Whereas I think some of these other guys have had to go, well, like Joshua, I'm so powerful. I've gone a long way by being big, strong, and powerful. Yeah. I haven't had to have the nuances to deal with the problem. So maybe someone like a Chisora would be a good trainer. It's that classic football thing, isn't it? The best managers are normally the blokes that have had to think about the game rather than just yeah. play it. So yeah, so you have to be able to think, and then you have to be able to translate what's in here into action in another body. Well, you end up with shit managers like Roy Keane, didn't you? Rose, don't... <laughs> I was nah. following that the other day, man. Nah. Roy Keane's the greatest human being, uh, maybe ever. Yeah, that sounds like a Terry Coat, actually. Yeah. No, I, I don't. He's never done anything wrong in his life, ever, never. If Roy Keane and Anthony Yard were neighbours, I'd buy a house on that road. <laughs> uh, I, uh, all I, all I just thought was, I mean, uh, Dave McGinley was uh, quite vehement, wasn't he? McGinley it? hates him. Yeah. And it's irrational. It's not based on logic. Dave McGinley hates Roy Keane. your love Keane. for him is perfectly rational. He, he has an agenda. <laughs> he always had an agenda about Roy Keane. Listen, when a man has got enough courage to just walk out on Mick McCarthy because Mick McCarthy is not Irish enough to manage a team, I think that's perfectly sensible. Okay, I'm not going down this rabbit hole. Um, nah, Roy Keane. Don't talk about rabbits. <laughs> <laughs> that little rabbit fucking hated me anyway. Uh, Fuck him. Joshua asks, given the fact the first words out of Brooke's mouth last night were in regards to getting Amir Khan's pants off, is it time to accept that Brooke is following him everywhere because he wants to take him on an all-inclusive trip to Tenerife? Might, might be why Khan's avoiding him. 
Uh, Josh Rawls asks, could Vargas be used as a decent measuring stick to put Josh Kelly in with? Uh, made a bit of a name for himself last night and could be billed as a very live danger by Hearn. They've no, not put Josh Kelly in with anyone yet. No, they, they, <laughs> I think they've got a long way to that's go. That's a massive they get. leap. Like Vargas, <laughs> Vargas is the equivalent. Like amateur-wise, Vargas was the equivalent of a Josh Kelly. They're, they're at the same level, but Vargas is seasoned and he's experienced. And Kelly is none of those things. If you yet. see that shit, they put him in with up in Newcastle, that Australian, and I saw it firsthand. Like, there are many, many leaps between that Australian fella for the Commonwealth and Sammy Vargas. Uh, last one from Joshua. How highly does Amir rank in the history of British boxers? High. In, in the grand history of from ever, it's not going to be no, great. But, but since 2000, I think it's probably only Frotu's record I'd say is better than Khan's. Look at the names that he's fought, the titles that he's yeah. won, the weights that he's done it at. He's been great. And some of the performances as well. Like the he, Maidana fight. Yeah. Even the Alexander fight, where Alexander just looked befuddled. And then think about all the people who probably avoided Khan. Okay. Um, right. Interesting one from an Adam Job here. He asks, and it's a three-post question, so bear with. I'm sure you've read it, so you'll know. Is this one just... who's submitted it about five times, and I've forgotten it for yeah. them? So, right. unfortunately, on this occasion, Adam, I'm not going to be able to answer your question. So, moving on. That <laughs> <laughs> nah, fuck uh, it. He's rude about how he asks it as well. I don't fucking care. Next yeah, question. I, I got. I kind of got that. I was like, this is not the way to approach. My... <laughs> I was running out of fucking patience with this. <laughs> Have you remembered? No, I haven't fucking remembered your question. You said it about three weeks ago. Remind, remind me when it comes to date, mate. Yeah, well, I've already sent you it, so if you could just look back and find it. <laughs> yeah. I like that yeah, guy. I love that. as well. I mean, fucking... <laughs> <laughs> there was zero fucking chance that was getting remembered. Yeah, well, I knew that much. I thought, hmm, fat chance, mate. Anyway. So thank you for resubmitting it anyway, because it wasn't getting remembered. <laughs> and I warned you at the time. Uh, boxing is one of the only sports that sells tickets at a flat rate and doesn't offer a tiered pricing structure accommodating for... Rates for children, OAPs, students, etc. For years, I've been stumping up full price tickets to take my 12-year-old to shows. I've contacted some of the bigger promoters. How long has he been 12? Inclu <laughs> including Matchroom and Frank Warren's office. They just keep saying they are looking into it. I understand the shows are not necessarily family friendly, uh, family friendly but come on. Your thoughts, Mr. Chapandama? You've seen them, the one who is the most knowledgeable. Wow, he's even pied you off there as well, mate. Don't take your kids to a Frank Warren show. Like, anything could happen. They could get, they'll probably get pissed on, in my experience. That's very possible. It, it's, it's a problem because let's start at the top. Let's start with Matchroom. Matchroom will tell you, here are our face value tickets, and then we know what happens on StubHub. Well, thanks to Martin, we know what happens on StubHub. <laughs> but we see what happens on StubHub. So we now realize that the nominal value and the real economic value of those tickets are completely different. But now look at the, the Joshua Povetkin where they're not selling. So StubHub aren't that active. And so, you, you know, do you let market forces dictate? I think to an extent, yes. And I don't like this myth that Hearn has where he goes, look, we give you fan-friendly prices. And in reality, they don't. And then if you look at... Frank's probably the same issue, but Frank just doesn't sell out. So you can actually go and you could take you could take your kid, you could take your neighbor's kids, 
and I can guarantee you watch a boxing show for 50 quid. And just enter a competition. Yeah. Very cheap then. Yeah, Fra- Fra- Frank shows are probably, I said don't go, but now I'm almost like, yeah, do go. Because <laughs> you'll all get in for, for a tenner. You'll be good. But if you look at the small hall, it's a, it's a revenue model. So it's not really about what fans should pay or what, it's what do we need to charge to make money? It's, that's all it is. What do we need to make this thing viable? This is what we need to charge. And I don't imagine there's a big enough surplus in the small hall pot that they could introduce differential pricing because that just causes many problems. So I think for now, you're going to have to stump up. I think where we're headed though, with streaming services and so forth is actually, you're probably going to be better off consuming the whole fight experience from home you know like the like the life thing's cool but especially with 12 year olds i don't think they need it just yet they'll survive without that final question senor tasty <sighs> which fighter will get injured when groves versus smith gets postponed <laughs> i think they'll both fight i think well clearly they both will because it won't be one of them um <laughs> it's either both or none i think it goes ahead out in Jeddah, God bless. Um, well, it's weird. There are people out in Jeddah that I've seen that can't get tickets for this. Like they're not even released out there. Um, it almost feels like a you know it's a Champions League final, isn't it? It's, you try and get a ticket for that. They've all gone to people that have been very helpful to them, you know, in, in setting it up, or people that have been influential in where it's ended up, which may well be very similar to this World Boxing Super Series final. Um, so. Yeah, look, they've chinned the fans off. People get annoyed about it. It's happened before. It'll happen again. Um, yeah, goes to show how precarious the, the business model is for this World Boxing Super Series, that they had to sell the final, which is what they've effectively done. But I do find it strange that you wouldn't make more money doing that fight in the UK. And if that's the case, then we need to start asking questions around how much money do the matchroom guys really make? Because... Callum Smith versus George Groves in the UK, that does the O2 in my eyes, right? It does the O2, it does the MEN, it does everything that's not a stadium. In but my if eyes. some shake, I mean, I don't know who's funding all this, Cosmos or whatever it is, who's behind that. But if some shake out in Jeddah says, look, I'll stump up 30 million quid for you to come and fight out here, I can put it on, I can show my friends, it's a great advert for Jeddah and the surrounding areas. Is anyone surprised that that's happening? Like you're gonna you're gonna gain more money out of that no. than you will out of putting it on at the MEN. But it's a reminder that maybe maybe, maybe some of the purses or the the gross revenue that's being announced isn't what it is. No, I agree. I agree. We've covered as much as we need to cover on Fury Wilder, right? Yeah, we've done all the questions. There is nothing left to cover. Good. I thought just, we were easing uh, ourselves back in. Just any other business from Terry. Yeah, just big. Settle in mine. We wanted to ease ourselves back in, man. It, 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 it was nice to catch up with Badoo Jack. Interesting character. No, to be honest with you, he's no Andre Ward. But, like, it it was interesting just having a, having a quick chat with him about his career and actually realising that when he was coming through, like, no one really thought Badoo Jack was any good because... In Sweden at the time, they had four guys in and around 75 and 81. And it was Skogland, a guy called Kennedy Katende, who fought Joshua Boatze in 2016 in the Olympics. And a guy called 
Ah, Kamara, Babakar Kamara. And of all that lot, mate, Badu Jack was considered the weakest of the lot. So to see where he's come from, having to go and box for Gambia so he could get into the Olympics and become a two-weight world champion, congratulations to the guy. And I was also happy that he admitted that the hardest fight he's ever had was George Groves, which is a thumb in the eye to all those DeGale fans. Are we finally done? Done. Finished. I must admit, I struggled with that one. I struggled real bad. That was a, that was definitely a rust shake off that one. Blown off the cobwebs, etc. Um, so, that's two hours and ten minutes of your life you're not getting back. <laughs> Martin's thoroughly broken. That is a massive watch, by the way. That is fucking huge. That's only slightly smaller than the ones you used to tick on your wall in the 80s. Do you remember those ones? <laughs> yeah. That is huge. Uh, have you had a nice time in Love Corner, Terry? Do you feel yourself more nah, loved? Man, this puts me off getting married or commitment. Uh, well, I'm not married. Or That's committed. just love. Sorry. Uh... <laughs> That's just love in that corner. Love, love, love. Mate, you need a trip to Papua New Guinea. <laughs> to get some strength. <laughs> right, okay, that'll be enough. Thank you very much for listening. Any comments or questions or criticisms or, you Send know... Send them to Fight Talk. They're barely going to be able to hear you, I suspect. That's all right. Okay, um, thank you very much for listening. Get in contact. Blah, 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 blah. Peace. Bye. We're dedicating a shout out to Sam Eggington who got his cunt kicked. <laughs> Did you watch it?